0: This episode of How to Wrestling was requested by the Wizard of Problem Town, one of our lovely backers over at Patreon.com forward slash How to Wrestling. And hey, if you enjoy the show and you like what we do and you enjoy it being a hundred percent ad free, then why not head over to our Patreon page and get access to a whole shedload of extra audio goodies for your ears and some videos for your eyes? I'm talking about over a hundred pay per view review episodes going all the way back to summertime 2015, AEW, WWE, and even a little bit of NXT in there as well, or pay. Review classic series where we go in depth on classic pay per view reviews, most recently with In Your House 3, the triple header, but other episodes including WrestleMania 17, Survivor Series 1998, and the incomparable Good Friends, Better Enemies. All this and much more available, including QA videos from Joe and the ability to sponsor an episode, available exclusively on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash wrestling A big shout out to all of our lovely backers who support us. But for now, it's time to get settled in get some veins going on the side of our heads it's how to Luna Fashan. Friend, and welcome to the episode of How to Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And today it's me, your old pal Kevin, joined as I am always by my better half, Joe Graham. Hello. And today we're going to look at one of, if not the most unique woman we've ever laid eyes on here on this podcast or in the world of professional wrestling. Joe, today is How to Luna Vachon. What?
1: I know a bit about Luna Bushon. Yeah And by a bit I mean She's scary <laughs> She has a scary voice And she looks scary She's got like a, a brain Painted on her head A
0: brain painted on her head Yeah
1: <laughs> I don't really know anything About Luna Vachon <laughs> Well here's here's
0: the thing Firstly apologies For the slight delay In this episode But uh, I experienced We went away Very spur of the moment On a little getaway We went back to, to Ireland For the first time In nearly two years and when I came back, I experienced for the first time in many, many years, I had minor hearing loss. Very, very small little case of that. And if there was ever a wrestler who we really needed to make sure that we had our ears yeah. definitely open and attuned to, it is Luna. And you mentioned that Luna is scary yep. and she sounds scary. I think yeah. she popped up in the Goldust episode.
1: Was that? She did. So Goldust went through a gimmick that I really liked and it was like... Confi- I get confused between Seven and the artist formerly known as Goldust yeah,
0: Seven was the was the pedophile specter
1: oh the pedophile specter okay which I also did like she know, stop no- stop it I did I can't I'm sorry I'm not gonna lie to the fans I liked it cancel me cancel for like Seven my notes apology I'm sorry I liked Seven
0: Dustin Rhodes will block you for that I Dam team. well no seven. one
1: tell him then no the artist formerly known as Goldust or and-
0: Tafka Goldust as he's known on the network
1: Tafka and she Luna Sean was like his valet manager, something, yeah, friend, confidant. I don't know, confidant, yeah. And they, they kind of had this like BDSM vibe where like he would come out on like in like a ball gag and like a dog collar and a whips leech. and chains was, yeah. the, uh, was the general, and she'd mulch. be like, You disgusting thing, you are me around, and then he'd be like, Yes, <laughs> and I thought it was great.
0: Now, I was gonna ask you, although you, you have kind of you've done it a bit there. If you can, because obviously people, big fans of your voice and they like to, oh. to listen in and hear, hear your your nice dulcet tones to say that your voice is on, not say the opposite end of the spectrum, but a very different part of the spectrum <laughs> to Ludovician's voice. Mm. Are you capable of imitating it? Like, is that something that you can actually you can whip out?
1: I don't know if I can really do a, a good job. Yeah. I, I feel like in recent years as well, like, since I've been podcasting, I've like looked after my voice quite a lot. You know, like, I try and do warm up exercises and, like, you know, drink water and stuff. And making those
0: silly noises. It's great. Like, anytime we do an episode of How to Wrestling, it's like we're about to do, like, I don't know, a town hall production of a musical because we're like, Whoa! Don't forget
1: the cat sounds. <laughs> like but yeah, Luna, she has this really horrible voice like this. I can't <laughs> do it.
0: Oh, it's too
1: scratchy. Yeah,
0: we, we got to be careful, and I, I have to be particularly careful because I love doing Luna's voice. Yeah, I
1: bet you can. I, I've just given myself a, a hoarse voice just by doing those. Seconds. Well, she has a
0: voice that kind of wow ah, goes like this, and yeah, and it is something that when I first saw it when I was a kid. I don't want to say it terrified me or anything, but it fucking repulsed me. It was like I was absolutely—I hated Luna as a kid. Really? I absolutely, because she just unsettled me to no fucking end. Well,
1: when you say hated, though, because like I feel that's that doesn't explain very much for like a child who watches <laughs> wrestling. There's yeah. like There's hate and there's hate and there's hate. So yeah. Like. Go into that more. Okay. Let's it was, dive deep.
0: Because when I would have seen Luna, I would have been like, you know, 10 years old or whatever. So it's not as if like I was watching it kind of going, oh, I don't like her because she's not a typical babe or anything like but, that. But like, would
1: you like change the channel? No,
0: but I would be like.
1: Mm. Kind of uh, sad.
0: Just She distressed me.
1: Distressed, I think. She was,
0: she was very upsetting. Does I like,
1: make you anxious?
0: Made me anxious. The You said it was a brain, but like the veins on the side of her head, I absolutely it really upset me to no end. Yeah. But I do remember as well, like reading comics as a kid, like Poison Ivy was my favorite villain. And then like, there would be these random comics where suddenly she had all these like, Dark veins to simulate chlorophyll, and I was like, "No, I, I hate it. I hate thinking about veins in the cir- <laughs> like. I hate thinking about the circulatory system. Like, oh wow, and and I, yeah, I did you're a
1: wrestling th- fan. You're surrounded by vascularity. I
0: know, but like, you know, the same reason why John Cena for a certain period of time, I was like, I don't like that. I know? don't like
1: his noodles in his arms. Yeah, and it, she, she really.
0: Like, and it was always what she wanted to do. She wanted to upset. She mm. wanted she. She in many interviews she said it was my job out there to be to be ugly, to be horrible, to be nasty, to be scary. And we had you know a lot of correspondence from fans who were literally like, "Oh, she scared the bejesus out of me," yeah. or the fans where they're like, "She scared the bejesus out of me," and then facilitated a sexual awakening many years oh, later. <laughs> wow. And I think Luna definitely is. Even in wrestling, where you expect these over-the-top characters and people to be, like, you know, wanting to be, you know, scary and whatnot. And we saw a little bit of that with Sherry, I guess, but she's a different breed of cat, is is Luna Vishon.
1: Like, uh, Sherry's not overtly, like, aggressively threatening
0: She's more like manic scary. Yeah. Whereas Luna is is like violent scary. Yeah. (laughs) Like
1: you feel like Luna would beat the shit out of anyone. You don't feel like Sherry would because she kind of is a bit more protective of herself.
0: I'll tell you, you were asking me like, why is what made me kind of not like Luna as a kid and all that. I have very early memories when I was in school, one of our prefects to wake us up in the morning and he was a a drummer and he was in a heavy metal band and he loved like really heavy metal and he put on like Cannibal Corpse at seven in the morning to wake us up. Oh my God. And in the same way where I was just like, I don't like it. Yeah,
1: you know, and, and like you know, but everyone would be like,
0: "Oh, but you know, the guy's really nice in the band, and they're not like I know, but I just I don't like it's unpleasant. it." It's 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 like the noise is designed to make me upset, and it has yeah. succeeded in doing that. Well,
1: you were a little sensitive kid, I guess. I was, so yeah. it's, it wasn't to make you happy anyway. I think if I'd seen it as a kid, I'd have been obsessed with her.
0: I, I would say like a lot of people like she seems to be like a wrestler who, even though she's not the biggest star in the world. But those that she resonated with have held a candle for her for yeah. for decades, and Luna. I think what is very interesting about her, you know, that the, the voice is obviously strikes you straight away. Yeah. But where that voice comes from, and that is to do with Luna's background. Luna is from the fighting Vashan family. Out of Montreal and Quebec in Canada, the French Canadian wrestling family, the Vachon family, who are known and synonymous with being one thing, which was tough as fucking nails. Yeah. And you were asking me like when we, we found out a bit about this, you were asking me like, what is it about kind of
1: Canada? Yeah. What is like, it they're Canada? all really badass. All these really excellent wrestlers who are like shoot probably could beat you up, and they all come from Canada.
0: And I think like a lot of it to do with it is you know particularly if you go back a few generations, you know because Luna was born in the. 60s so her uncle mad dog her father paul the butcher i should point out as well myself and many other wrestling podcasters constantly make the mistake of saying that mad dog was her father and it's not the case that mad dog was her uncle
1: her dad was the butcher, Paul
0: the butcher Vachon, and her aunt was Vivian Vachon, who was considered to be the greatest, if not one of the greatest wrestlers of the the 1970s of and women's was wrestling.
1: She like related to Mad Dog, like was she's yes. sister.
0: They were all on the one side, so right, her father, okay. Mad Dog, and Vivian were all like brothers and sisters.
1: Right, what an interesting, weird, fucking family. And
0: I mean, like you think about Canada, obviously it's cold, and we take for granted, you know, things like infrastructure and you know access to goods and services Mm. but you know Stu hart i always remember from brett's book you know, he lived in a tent when he was a kid and Mm. that's not to say that it was like the dark ages in canada but certain parts of canada and if you were traveling around as a wrestling family you'd be going to parts of the country that were only accessible you know a few months a year because the lake freezes over and you can use it as a road suddenly yeah so that kind of breeds a hardiness and a toughness yeah So I wanted to show you, before we got into Luna, a little bit of the family. And we watched a little bit of uh, her uncle, Mad Dog Vishon, who was probably her biggest influence. What did you think to Mad Dog?
1: I absolutely love him. He's so cool. Set
0: the scene. What does Mad Dog look like? What's his gimmick? What's his presence?
1: He, oh God, (laughs) he looks a bit like the big show, but really small (laughs) and really hairy. Yeah. And he's got like this chin strap beard,
0: missing a bunch of teeth. Min-
1: yeah, missing a bunch of teeth. He's got. He looks. He looks like a, a like a pit bull terrier. Like, yeah. he looks like a nasty dog,
0: junkyard mad dog. But
1: like one of those ones that's like, it, you know, if it's not biting you, it's gonna fall asleep on you, and you're too scared to move it because it might bite you.
0: It's it's kind of a dog that will remind you of how vicious it once was at any given moment, mm. type of a thing. And he's got those kind of gnarled ears yeah. as well. I think the promos we watched, it was mostly a very bemused Mean Gene Okerlund being like, what are you doing here? My dog shot. It's a pine box that I'm
1: making. He's like building this coffin, but he's building it by smashing apart loads of wood with a hammer. <laughs> he's just like absolutely manic. I really liked him. He was very charismatic in his own weird way.
0: Mean Gene like towered over him as well. Yeah. In a business that even back then in the 70s and 80s was not known for People of a smaller statue. No, so he must be
1: pretty small.
0: He's very small. Much like Luna herself, Luna's also surprisingly very short.
1: It's so weird. I think of her being... I think of her being really tall.
0: Yeah, I think she has a kind of imposing presence.
1: I think, yeah, whenever a woman is buff like that, because like Luna's got these massive, big, bulging yeah. biceps, like she's pretty ripped. So I always think that women like that are tall.
0: And it was... Mad Dog's voice then was kind of one of the big parts of the inspirations for... For, for luna she got that voice from him and would try from a very young age from the age of like three or four she was trying to imitate his voice and be <laughs> imagine like imagine
1: how scary it would be seeing a little toddler doing that voice <clears throat> and her head's like bending backwards <laughs> could
0: you understand what what uh, mad dog was saying like a lot of the time a
1: bit here and there yeah
0: not much i think oftentimes in wrestling when someone's got that unique a voice actually what they're saying is almost superfluous it's
1: hard as well because like (laughs) footage from that era hasn't aged particularly well like it's all on like you can get bits on youtube and stuff but it's low quality and like we had to turn up the volume to like max and even still i could barely make out what but either even mean gene was saying yeah yeah so it's hard, but like he does speak in a very strange and hard to understand voice.
0: So I remember when I was a kid, like the rumor was like, oh, Luna, the reason she sounds like that is because of steroids, you know, in the same
1: steroids. way, Ch- China's
0: big. So China's on, st- you know, everyone was like, you know, steroids, steroids. she well, had a voice doesn't, like that. Like
1: every wrestler sound like that. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Uh, case
0: in point, China, who probably did do steroids at points in her career, who had a voice like fucking porcelain in China, like the, yeah, the, 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 softest, the voice. softest fucking voice in the world. But what happened with Luna, and she hadn't done many interviews, so tracking down the few that she had done, I was able to kind of piece together some of this, not necessarily always in a very cohesive manner, how she would bring out these little nuggets. But she did have a normal voice, but the normal voice kind of by the time she was in her late teens, early twenties, was gone. Right. Because she had literally scarred up her vocal cords. Oh by God. doing by doing Mad Dog's voice for so long. Yeah. And what was really interesting as well is that when we watched some of the Mad Dog promos, someone referred to him as Maurice Fashawn. He's like, Maurice, don't call me that damn, the Mad Dog. And do you know what Luna's real name is? No. Gertrude.
1: Oh my god, they have these proper old fashioned names. And like
0: the interview I watched with her, <laughs> the first thing she was like, ah, don't call me Gertrude. That's why I became a wrestler. I was fighting all the time <laughs> because I was called Gertrude. And like being the daughter of like not you know not just one wrestler like kind of being the adopted daughter of another wrestler and having this you know larger than life aunt who's this legend you know that's very very huge it's probably the closest thing i could think of is probably brett in terms yeah. of having it loom in her life i got a, a fact here and this is kind of the reality of living with a wrestling family by the time she was in year eight which be the equivalent of grade eight in america or whatever right she'd been in 16 schools
1: what, just from travelling for wrestling? Yeah. Wow. And
0: that's, like, kind of hard to, um, you know, have a wrestling life and then your separate life, and the separate life has kind of changed up. I mean, 16 schools in, imagine as well be 14 being, at that point, maybe. Being the
1: new kid at school and having that voice.
0: And that name. And, oh, your family's tough wrestlers, by the way, you know. Also, she said that none of the wives knew that it was uh, in the family knew that it was a work. They all thought it was real. What? So she was like so kind she of She was
1: the only like she woman was, like, in the privy. family. Yeah. Whoa.
0: And like she she told like Vivian very early on she wanted to be a wrestler and she started trading her like on a mattress kind of, you know, you know, age ten or thereabouts. Yeah. So she kind of she got into wrestling, you know, through the connections in the family and all that. But a big stumbling block for her is that she just wanted to be a heel. She wanted to be, you know, yeah. a monster. and, you know, Like her uncle. Like her uncle. And here she was, this kind of petite young woman who was well-spoken with lovely long blonde hair. And she was told by her aunt and the promoters, you're not heavy enough, you're not big enough to be a heel. Right, yeah. Because back in those days, a heel, if you are a woman, had to be like kind of a heavy set yeah. kind of bruiser or whatnot. So she kind of went off and just kind of, you know, decided to forge her own path in that sense. And... Her earliest kind of break came, she was in Championship Wrestling in Florida, which is where Dusty Rhodes would have booked, where there was all sorts of kind of, you know, there was Satanist angles and all that stuff. And there was a guy called Kevin Sullivan, who was a wrestling Satanist, who loved his gimmick so much, He's like to allude to the fact that he was a real-life Satanist as well.
1: Right. I'm which... sure there's a few Satanists in, in wrestling. O-
0: odds are there's a couple, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: They're probably all in AEW now. <laughs>
0: You tell me that the the Tommy End isn't actually a Satanist.
1: I'm saying Miro. He's the dark horse. (laughs) That's why he's God's favorite
0: champion. His God is actually Satan. That
1: Xbox. (laughs) Sacrificial (laughs) lamb got him there.
0: (laughs) But uh, the very early thing that Luna did was her first kind of big angle was um, she was just like kind of a backstage reporter, you know, and she had her in a nice little kind of business 80s power suit and all that. And she was to present an award to this young wrestler, and then the angle was that Kevin Sullivan, the Satanist, was going to come in and beat up the young wrestler and smash up the award. And Luna was meant to come in and be like, "No, no, leave him alone." And then he was going to slap Luna. And he grabbed her and he slapped her as hard as he could. And he did it twice in a row. And he got blood out of her, like what
1: from slapping? From slapping. He
0: slapped her so hard. Oh my Her God. lips fell open. Anyway, they go backstage and she was like, you know, in tears on camera. Like, oh, yeah. oh, my God. You know, goes backstage, the biggest smile on her face. <laughs> she goes right up to him, goes, is that all you got? <laughs> and she said, because she's a Vachon, that she's tough and she should have hit him twice as hard. Because... So hang on,
1: she did this it, shoot, okay, Faye? Oh, or this what? was like,
0: this was backstage. No, the fans right. could see this. This was in front of the boys.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And again, it reminded me of Sherry, yeah. who was, you know... Also, I had to say, is that all you gosh? You want to be a women's wrestler in the 80s? You know, that's how you got in the door. Yeah, You're you got to really be tough
1: as nails. Tough
0: as fucking old boots.
1: So, just on the thing of her being like a an interview lady yeah. how did she transition from that into wrestling then
0: so they kind of they just they had rebranded her basically you know and that was in Florida and she went to other places like the you know, the AWA which is like
1: a total lack of continuity she got beaten up and now all of a sudden she's someone yeah, else yeah her
0: when she was the the reporter they gave her a different name and right, all that right okay and so
1: canonically that's not even the same
0: canonically that's not Luna Vachon right. like although for all the wrestlers in the back I'm pretty sure they remembered Luna, Luna Vachon and that she was a Vachon you know <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> After that fact. So she trained originally in a camp with uh, with Moolah. I think that came up via a May Young episode. There's a lot of dark stories and whatnot. I could find nothing about her experience or anything there. But one would assume the pedigree of her family name meant that she was probably immune to most of the right. sla- modern-day slavery that went on yeah. in, in those places. But... Um... <laughs> It was around this time that she met and fell in love and courted. My they favorite wrestler. <laughs> well, it is an interesting story of how they got together. But uh, my favorite wrestler when I was a kid was a was a vampire called Gangrel. Are you aware of Gangrel? Is I'm aware can- of Gangrel. You like bloodbaths in wrestling? Yeah, so. I do.
1: The uh, the original slime.
0: So gangrel was wrestling as a vampire warrior at the time warrior vampire warrior
1: what like vampires need warriors or he's a
0: vampire warrior he was a
1: warrior that turned into a vampire like i don't understand well there was a dingo
0: warrior over the other company so oh, he was okay. going to be the vampire, vampire warrior, warrior. Got it. and he uh, he claimed he always had a soft spot for her you mm-hmm. know and that you know he thought they were friends and all that but he was terrified of her. Okay. Like absolutely terrified of her. Mainly because he knew that she was going out with like Dick Murdoch who was this like old badass wrestler. And you know it was, you know, no, if you messed around with her you'd, you'd incur his wrath or she might incur his wrath. You know it was a very kind of dodgy situation. But uh, Luna took a shining to a young vampire warrior slash gang growl. And she did it in strange ways, such as he was training once in, you know, in in Florida and she came in through the door and she ran over to him and said she wanted to start doing some wrestling training and he was really hesitant and he started grappling. She jumped right on his back and bit into his shoulders as hard as she could and drew blood.
1: Oh my (laughs) God. And the story
0: he tells is that she made it, she was actually the original vampire and she bit him and made him a vampire.
1: What?
0: (laughs) And like... There's loads of stories like this where he'd be like, you know, driving to the show. And someone's like, oh, let's swing by and pick up Luna. And he'd be like, oh, please don't. I don't want it. Please don't pick her up. And like, you know, pick her up and she'd be in the back seat. And then she'd jump in the front seat and be like, why don't you like me? And she'd like start choking him and all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Really fucking absolute crazy stuff. And the very, very first time he saw her was after she'd had some match and she'd gotten busted open and she kicked down the door to the locker room she came in face a crimson mask and just went and licked it all off her face and went fresh meat
1: <laughs> and that's
0: when he knew that she was the, the girl for him well
1: that's when he he realised he liked her yeah Aww. so they
0: were together for 18 years Aww. a very lengthy marriage in wrestling They like. she were married they were married
1: oh that's so sweet the demon and the vampire and
0: yeah it is um it, it is a a wrestling love story that only could happen in, in the world of wrestling just what was shocking to me was kind of how early on like that they were were hooked up together and all that and i think that Gangrel thinking that he was a wrestling vampire and what wrestling was after in the early 90s he'd get called up quite soon to WWE. but it was actually luna who ended up coming into the wwf first right and we watched some of her early promos where she was paired up against sensational sherry and these were fucking amazing Joe. They
1: were, they were absolutely <laughs> incredible. I mean, you know how it's going to be good because obviously when we've done an episode on sensational Sherry and she was a very strange, almost demonic woman. Yeah. And Luna obviously even more so. So I mean, yeah, them two doing promos against each other was Obviously, magical.
0: It was some of the most intense fucking mic work I have ever seen.
1: I just wish they'd both been like. I'd love to see a promo between them both uh, with Mean Gene in the middle. Yeah, trying to try keep, to keep them apart. Like, yeah. yeah,
0: it is like considering 1993 when it's the main angle is Bret Hart is wrestling a sumo wrestler. <laughs> this was so far ahead of its time, both in terms of like her look, which was so striking for for WWF and was that era. You know, it's very kind of squeaky clean, family friendly. And she's like straight up, you know, 50% dominatrix, 50% like something out of a black metal porn video or something mm. like that. It is like, and the video the, it, you can find on YouTube, it's called the most metal promo in wrestling history. Where she's surrounded by all these like chains and she just is pure unfiltered demon, yep. I guess. Uh, some of the lines that stuck with me, which was... Trying to use mere words to describe the beauty of Luna Vachon is like using a screwdriver to cut roast beef.
1: Amazing. (laughs) That is absolutely iconic.
0: But the sad thing about this is that this didn't actually lead to a match. Unfortunately, Sherry was gone before then. They did some house show matches. Yeah. But this big, you know, really intense feud, it never actually got to them on television or a pay per view or anything like that.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: But, like, when we were watching, the crowd were super, super into it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm not surprised. Because, like, I mean, Sherry at that point, she'd, like, had a proper big career. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, run with the macho king and stuff at that point, hadn't she? Yeah, yeah. And, like, she was a face as well, She just turned face, yeah. And, obviously, it's, it's kind of weird seeing Sherry as a face, but, like, it works so well because Luna's so... yeah sherry (laughs) sherry can
0: only be a face when luna is the heel because sherry i was like oh i don't know if i want to watch a sherry face promo and sherry's there on her knees going you'll be screaming that i'm sensational (laughs) oh this is great i fucking love it also i think it might be the earliest example of wrestling passing the bechdel test yeah we we had an
1: interviewer lady who looked just like princess diana (laughs) interviewing them both about each other it was great I, like the look in terms of the um,
0: the veins and like the hair as well. Like, yeah. the, did you know like that was kind of it was all shaved on the sides?
1: Yeah, yeah. So she can draw the veins on. She looks a bit like a mutant pony. Oh, what? A mutant pony.
0: I mean, oh, because of the big kind of puffy tail that she has on her well, hair. Well, yeah, it's like
1: kind of, she's got the sides shaved, but she's got like um, a perm down the middle. And it's like, in not a mohawk, but like that area of hair. So she's got like a mane, basically.
0: So the origin behind it is that apparently when she was first in Florida and doing some stuff kind of in the territories, she had a tag team partner and she had the other side of her head shaved. Oh. So the idea was that they were kind of like matching and all that. Which again, like that's like that's so far ahead of its time yeah. and all that. Like you tag teams would kill for that these days, that kind of synchronicity. But the veins on the side of Luna's head, originally those were just drawn on, but they did become actual tattoos. She got that oh, tattoo. I thought
1: you were going to say head. they became actual veins. Not I was sure. like, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs> like she became So incensed All the time That they just Popped into her head oh, Fucking hell It'd be horrible
0: So the idea behind it Was that she said That one half of her Was like Luna Which was the side With the veins And the other half of her Was like her. Gertrude like Gertrude I guess. <laughs> I guess Like it's Gertrude but it was just interesting to think that she was kind of playing with that. I think we watched some kind of something from AWA where she had really leaned into that kind of two like she had makeup done completely different on one side. Yeah, she
1: looked like a normal, nice lady on one side. And
0: her skin was red on the other. Yeah. Like so really like just completely far ahead of its time. I can't
1: believe she got tattooed though. That's so extreme.
0: The reason it happened, and it actually takes us to, you know, after the stuff with Sherry didn't work out, she got paired with Bam Bam Bigelow, the Beast from the East, who we I think saw in our Taz episodes. And Bam Bam used to be his job was to draw on the veins on the side of her. And Bam Bam's wife apparently got sick of him coming back with like all this stuff all over his hands all the time. Right. So for Luna's birthday, Bam Bam's wife took her to a tattoo parlor and asked her if she wanted to get him done permanently. And she was like, "Wow, wow." <laughs> so she did. As it pertains to the voice as well, I should point out one of the interviews I watched is with Gangrel. Like that voice and the noises is kind of like part of her communication style. Mm. So, like, Gang would just randomly say something like, you know, uh, that was a fun time we had that one time, Austin. And then she'd look lovingly in his eyes and go, Wah. <laughs> 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 or she'd say something like really kind of stand off. And she'd be like, oh, okay. And then she turned turn to him and go, Wah. But they give him a little smile. Wow. So, like, they obviously... The gothic lifestyle has been through so pendants. Yeah. They were deep into that, like, for, oh, for real. Uh, there was one point where she was talking in the interview about, you know, offers other people had at the time to be in, you know, in Playboy and stuff like that. And Gangrell turns to her and goes... They asked you to be in Playboy though, didn't they? And then Lula says, no, that was that horror magazine. And then Gangrel goes, oh! With a big smile, big eyes in his face. (laughs) Yeah, so she got paired up with Bam Bam Bigelow. Two tattooed people. I guess it was probably because of the, the tattoos that they were stuck together. And this brings us to our first match that we watched. Because Bam Bam Bigelow had a huge issue in 1993. And that was some fucking clown named Twink the Clown.
1: <laughs> and this takes
0: us to WrestleMania 10. A night which brought us the legendary Own Heart versus Bret Hart match. Which people talk about in the annals of history. And it also brought us this match which is Luna and Bam Bam Bigelow versus the clowns doink and dink <laughs> you uh you needed the show to be paused when their names were called out yeah because of the silliness uh what are your thoughts on doink and dink joe fucking
1: love them i'm obsessed with doink and dink i'd heard of doink the clown before and i thought that's stupid i don't like that like everyone makes fun of doink the clown and not in the kind of like haha we love him kind of way so i was just assuming that i wouldn't like him yeah and then he comes out, and he's this fucking horrible, scary, <laughs> nasty clown. And he's not a heel,
0: folks. He's he's the good guy here. Is this, he this
1: cheeky clown? And he's got like this other smaller clown with him, who's this, obviously this this guy with dwarfism, and he's really scary. And they, they look exactly the same as each other. Like they've got the same body shape, the same face mask. Yeah,
0: that that kind of hudge, that dark oh, hudge, horrible. The hair is so fucking scary. It's like
1: they've got a literally like they've they've taken off the face skin of a clown and then they're wearing it over their own heads it's I, so upsetting and i love it i
0: got a quote from you when doing sprays one of their guests in the front row with his flower you said oh my fucking god yeah,
1: it's great also they're both so fast They're like really fast clowns Like doink running around So speedy and then Dink comes out And he's like Like a little bee
0: Are you telling me that Dink is a spry clown They're
1: both spry clowns (laughs) Are both very fast and very spry, and I absolutely love them. I want an episode on Doink and Dink the clowns. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's my birthday soon, Kevin.
0: <laughs> I don't know if this helps with the whole wrestling as a circus critique when we have literal clowns rolling love around it. here. I never
1: thought because I don't even like clowns that much. Like clowns yeah. are fine, you know. I, but I've never. You're not like
0: scared of clowns, are you? Yeah, I
1: mean scary clowns. I'm scared of. Yeah. Like, but like, I, I don't care strongly about clowns either way. I don't like hate them or love them or anything but I just love doink and dink. And like, just really entertaining.
0: And there's something about pairing a couple of fun-loving clowns against no fun, bam bam Bigelow yeah. and straight-up cruel and evil-looking Luna Vashon. And look, we might as well spend some time to talk about it because some of the fucking outfits here on this episode are, are Amazing, next level. Yeah. This like this fucking collar
1: thing that That's she's got going so on. Cool. She's got this massive black collar, and like her outfit is like mostly leather straps and like a silver bikini. And like assless tight chaps things. (laughs) I
0: love that as well. This is like not a time where you know you would have wrestling commentators like Jerry Lawler being like,
1: Whoa, check out the babes! Well, we did get a little bit of Cherry. though, yeah, with with Cherry. He was like, Oh, I like looking at Cherry.
0: But (laughs) Luna Vishon, there was one person in a lot of the clips we watched who was. Adamant that she was his centerfold dream. Oh, yeah. And Bobby the Brain Heenan
1: oh, yeah.
0: loves Luda Vishon. He's like, Look at her. She's such a doll, McMahon. There's my centerfold. And he was asked, like, What is it you like about her? And he goes, Well, she's beautiful. She's great. Her uncle is so tough. Maurice Mad Dog Vishon. Her <laughs> aunt Vivian Vishon. So, all right, nerdy Bobby Heenan has got a crush on her because of her wrestling family pedigree. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Even when Luna's not tagged in and in this match you you get a good sense of her because there is this low level yeah happening all the time and even though it's quite uh you mean know, you could look at it and probably go look at the outfit and go it's pretty edgy and all that jazz you know, oh for, for,
1: very much so
0: but I it's not it's not done even though the outfit's kind of skimpy and it's obviously for for a certain corner of the room it's it's definitely for for it's definitely for kicks. But I think it is still—it's not presented in a sexual way. It's, it's no. presented well, as a scary thing. <laughs> she's not
1: presented in a sexual way. Like yeah. literally, you could get like everything she's wearing—you would see on a very sexy lady in NXT, like rocking it, and everyone would be like, "Yeah, she's like the hottest woman in wrestling." But because Luna distorts her That's body it. and, and her face it's not just the makeup and stuff no no is it? it's not it's not at all it's the way she carries herself it's the way like she will she'll push her face into her neck so she gives herself this like double chin and she'll like turn her neck slightly so her neck almost looks broken she can literally
0: turn her mouth like sideways yeah. almost with this she weird snarl
1: gives herself like a hunchback and like keeps her arms close to her body like a dinosaur
0: yeah she does this she like literally like Looks like she's trying to tear her skin off of herself at times. Like, you get this sense with her. It's almost like she's a fucking terrifying stand in JoJo or something like that. That there's this otherworldliness, which I think it is probably a disservice to be like, ah, she's just doing her uncle. Because Mad Dog had that intensity but it literally looks like that there is this fucking energy that's just exploding out of every fucking orifice of Mad Dog
1: never seemed otherworldly yeah like or mystical or anything like that whereas Luna is very much like she seems like a demon
0: yeah I mean you could tell any kind of crazy over the top ancient amulet storyline yeah. with Luna and be like yep yeah, buy that absolutely she's an oni yep <laughs> But, like, as well, she has these kind of crazy earrings and chains. She'll, like, rip random stuff off and just fuck it to the ground. Yeah. The reckless abandon, which she pulls off some of those earrings, made me wince. No,
1: that really heavy necklace. And she just tears it off like she's mugging herself. And
0: I thought, okay, it's WrestleMania ten. It's the clowns versus these kind of scary baddies. It's going to be a little bit of ring-around-the-rosy type of fun. Like, particularly when Dink gets tagged in. It's like, all right, here comes Luna. There's going to be some, like, kind of silly stuff. And she fucking waffles old Dink. She kicks him so goddamn hard. Yeah,
1: I think that's partly why I liked these clowns so much is because I've said it before, I've always wanted to see a wrestler with dwarfism get presented as like an actual normal person. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Dink is wrestling a woman, which is like supposed to be like, because he's not a real man or whatever. But because it's Luna Vashon, who wrestles men generally in her career, it just makes it out to seem like, legitimate like yeah. badass for both of them it's just really cool to see them both actually beat the shit out of each other
0: and Luna does stuff which you know they've done stuff with you know with wrestlers with dwarfism before bringing like a big guy in and it's always kind of like the standard heel heat of like oh the bully throwing his weight around yeah. whereas with Luna there's a bit of that obviously yes. you know she slams dink and all that
1: she's nasty to him that's it
0: there's like a lot of the stuff that she's doing is like she's got her fucking those claws yeah. and she's, like, she's ripping Raking at him. the fucking at the mask and all that It is it is amazing stuff. And I,
1: but because Dink is such a scary little clown <laughs> it's like <laughs> so I, I didn't find myself being like scared for him I was kind of like I didn't know who to cheer for because I yeah. kinda, like they're all so frightening
0: I was I was a bit bemused of course when you have Doink tagged back in along with Bam Bam but then Vincent Mann said uh oh the big boys are at it again <laughs> and I was immediately always forgiven. We
1: had some great lines on commentary about the clowns like this one from uh, from Jerry and Vince where Jerry goes there's gotta be three or more doinks under the ring And Vince says completely seriously No no we have one doink And one dink
0: <laughs> For marketing purposes you only have the rights For one doink at a time alright We can't mess messing around with that Don't shit Don't be greedy so we have Dink doing lots of kind of evasion from Luna and Bam Bam who kind of work in tandem to kind of like try and get him. He's
1: so fast.
0: Yeah, they take advantage of his of his nimble nature. We then have Dink getting completely smushed. I couldn't tell if it was on purpose or not because of what happens later in the match. I am open to the possibility that when Bam Bam ran against the ropes and just fucking waffled Dink and sent him sailing. That could have been planned. It could have been an accident. Either way it made me go And and gosh to no end We have Doink getting dismantled By Bam Bam who hits the diving Headbutt to provide the win For his team and what was meant to come Afterwards I think in this match Was going to be a heartwarming little moment When the two bullies tried to Team up on Lil Dink And then Doink saves him and runs them off But instead what happens is There's a miscommunication So Luna and Bam Bam pretty much kill dink the clown in this yeah there's they both go for a dive yeah and dink rolls but when dink rolls he gets waffled by luna who's sailing off that rope
1: because bam bam and luna come from opposite corners and Dink tries to roll out of their way but There's no way there's it was no way ever going to happen Yeah he's, it's literally <laughs> impossible Because no matter which way you roll There's going to be someone jumping on you And so yeah they both jump on him <laughs> No
0: this was obviously a massive fuck up and they this,
1: Was it though because I loved it I thought it was really effective The crowd were
0: like heartbroken Because they just seen the, the clowns get killed And then afterwards they saw the smaller clown Get killed even more And then
1: they have a little hog in the ring It's really sweet these two <laughs> terrifying clowns Like having a little cuddle, Luna
0: Luna and Bam Bam have this look where it's like, uh oh, and then like, ah, fuck it, yay! And they walk (laughs) off and they win. So, Luna and Bam Bam pick up the win at WrestleMania 10, and it was a match which I was very glad that we watched for many reasons. What was your first outing with, with Luna? And the clowns-like, Joe.
1: Amazing. I mean, I can't give all the credit to the clowns as much as I do love them, but Luna was was really good in this. Very, very fun to watch.
0: Have you got a star rating for me?
1: Yes. Five stars. (laughs) Perfect match. I would watch this again and again and again. I'd recommend it to anyone. So good. So good. So Luna is
0: around for a little bit, and unfortunately, the women's division at the time, very, very shallow in that you would have obviously you had stars you had people who could go like uh, Lundra blaze you had luna vachon you had sherry was kicking around but unfortunately for them it didn't feel like that you know women's wrestling was something that Vince McMahon wanted to take very seriously which is strange because if there was one thing you could have done to make yourself different from wcw in the early 90s providing women's wrestling was, was certainly one of those well they
1: still haven't learned that lesson have they no
0: i mean it, it is it is still kind of mind-blowing to me that wwe are now the the industry leader yeah. in terms of you know
1: and it still sucks
0: SummerSlam, we got three women's matches yeah. you know uh, issues with with a lot of it but still in terms of actual screen time they're the best they're the best by far and pay they're the best and the, you know again like we said in our pwg episode it kind of Beggar's belief that WWE have managed to become the industry leader in this is kind of bullshit.
1: It is, but also then, like, I don't know. It makes me at least somewhat grateful for, like, the one good thing that brands and corporations do, which is, like, they have to adhere to, like, certain diversity outlines just to like meet a quota because yeah. it looks bad for their shareholders. Otherwise, and yeah. it's like if that's the reason you do it, I, you know, I don't care so long as you do it.
0: Well, I think a lot of us were probably thinking after Ronda departed in you know late 2019 that we wouldn't be getting as much focus, but it feels like it's the same if not more, and then yeah. the fans are back as well. I just kind of I was like you know in the in the spirit of Luda Shawn, who was ahead of her time and you know was an incredibly talented dresser who didn't have anyone to wrestle on the main fucking WWF in the main show she could have written her meal ticket it just I hate that we're nearly fucking 30 years later and I feel that there's women on AEW and there's women and you know on, on different companies who are still kind of in that boat like where it's like there's there's not enough push from management
1: sorry we just can't find any other women ah. that, that we want you to wrestle with
0: sorted out wrestling industry along with your many other flaws <laughs> so she departs WWF after a spell and what was interesting about during this time is that over in USWA, which is Memphis, which would have been kind of a developmental league or a feeder system, Vampire Warrior, Gangrel, he was wrestling there at the time. And Luna, just to be with him, she would wrestle the full WWF circuit, do all the house shows, all the TV tapings, pay per views, all that. And then she would, at the weekends, she would head over to USWA, and she'd just like show and go. Hey, I'll wrestle. Like she'd wrestle for free just to you know be with her husband and all that, which I thought was like showed a passion, which. A lot of her contemporaries probably didn't share.
1: Yeah, I can't see many wrestlers doing that.
0: You know, men or women, I no. can imagine people being like, yeah, I'll go wrestle for free because yeah. I just love it so goddamn much. And I much. love
1: my husband or wife that much. That's yeah. really rare.
0: <laughs> so it was around this time she gets a call from the young upstart promotion out of Philadelphia Which has had around a year or so under the tutelage of Paul Heyman. Extreme Championship Wrestling wants to add a little bit more spice into their Raven and Tommy Dreamer feud. And Luna Vachon is brought in, along with Vampire Warrior, who wrestled a few shots there. And she is, she is like over the top in her praise for ECW when she's ever asked about it, even though she's only there for like five months or so. Fucking adores it. She thought it was great. She said you'd see every night someone would bleed in every match. And it was great. There were people bleeding for the show. She said she liked the mentality of everyone Everyone bleeding together, Mm. and she liked that everyone was working together to make the show together as opposed to when she was in the WWF where it felt like everyone was just trying to make their thing look good, yeah, or maybe their opponent, but mostly their thing look good.
1: Yeah, she does have big ECW energy.
0: I was shocked that she was there for as little as she was, right?
1: Because, like if she was booked properly, she could have been like their top star, like their top women's star anyway.
0: And I mean, it's something that Heyman, he flirted with a few times later on, what we see here, the idea of having this fucking badass woman come in and wrestle the men and not kind of bat an eyelid about it. Again, something which wrestling has tried and really failed to do and kind of skirted around the issue, dipped their toe in the water. And it's so funny to look back in like 1995 ECW or 2000 ECW where they managed to do this without being like having the whole like guy... I don't want to wrestle a girl, you know. But they just like, have it happen. The
1: fact that she's not she's not this big, huge monster. No. Like, even today in wrestling, like, if a woman wrestles a man, at least in the main companies, she has to be huge. Yeah, She has to be bigger than the men. And, That's like, true. Luna's not. She's small. She's petite.
0: But this is such a perfect marriage of people here because you've got Luna Vachon. This is from heatwave 1995 in extreme championship wrestling a cage match and she's taking on the young studly Stevie Richards whose gimmick is basically that he is kind of a lackey and a henchman and he's kind of on Raven's side and Luna is on Tommy Dreamer's side in this kind of epic feud that lasted several years in ECW and there was something about seeing this young kid Stevie Richards come out who Luna in her interview described him as a sweet little baby No. <laughs> And him coming out and spending around five minutes trying to work up the courage to step in the ring knowing that Luna Sean is about to come out. It was brilliant. It like built the myth of <laughs> Luna Sean, I thought. It was so fucking cool. These two have got some rockin' mullets as well. It's 95 and mullet oh, season yeah. is in full effect here. They're
1: both ponies.
0: <laughs> I mean, Stevie's pretty fluffy here, yeah. you know? Have you seen much of Stevie Richards?
1: No, not really. I knew he was in Right to Censor, but I've not really seen any of their stuff. I just am aware of it. So, no, this is surprising. It's not kind of the type of wrestler I thought he'd be.
0: What what do you think of the look of Stevie Richards? Oh, I
1: love it. Someone (laughs) needs to bring that back. Like, the crop top, the little Daisy Dukes, the big (laughs) perm, like, mullet hair. It's so... Like yeah, if someone did that right now, they would be instant star material. You're saying
0: he reminded you of someone, like of, of, of a modern wrestler, was there? Some? I don't. I
1: can't put my finger on who it is. You said maybe Griff Garrison. The th-
0: fuck is Griff Garrison? I
1: think maybe it's Griff <laughs> Garrison a bit, but also someone else. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Anytime anyone mentions Griff Garrison, I'm torn between doing a big John Huber who the fuck, or doing a silly John Silver about to laugh. Like, who the fuck is
1: Griff Garrison?
0: <laughs> <laughs> So scared Stevie is in the cage, terrified and literally his name is being announced. And Luna like a fucking out of a cannon is straight in the ring. And unlike her WWF look, where she's kind of all big and puffed up and kind of like this, almost like she's had electricity pass through her. She's kind of sleek here. Like, you know, she's like wet slicked back hair yeah. and whatnot. And kind of in a, in a uh, kind of a sleek unitard. This is a hell of a look. And within, I would say two minutes Stevie was busted open pretty severely in this one.
1: Yeah, he's bleeding a lot. And actually, shortly afterwards, she started bleeding as well. I didn't catch what either of them got cut by. Did they just blade for the sake of it? Well,
0: seeing as literally every time Stevie ran into the ropes, he was then just thrown into the cage and like... I think that was how Stevie got busted open. It wasn't
1: just like Luna being like, "I love everyone bleeding together. Let's all bleed together <laughs> by bleeding together."
0: The reason she's so pro blood is probably because of some sort of like sacrifice or something like that, a ritual. Oh, I she bet. loves she loves drinking blood. I mean, that's canon. That's canonically been proven with Luna. That's true. <laughs> I think she busted herself open. There was a point where she did like a, a backward splash off the side of the cage, where she was kind of facing out into the crowd, and she sent her body out flat and went flying down. She grazed her elbow and I think her forehead. But there was this like, this submission that Stevie put her in where he tied her legs up on her and she was lying on her front. He tied her legs up and put his foot in and then pulled her face back Mm. and she was bleeding and he just started slapping her, (laughs) paintbrushing her in the face. It was, to quote Michael Cole, physical.
1: (laughs) They waffled
0: the shit out of each other, Joe. Yeah,
1: (laughs) they did. It was hardcore.
0: And there was some like, you know, you're used to seeing with women's wrestling in the 90s, a lot of the kind of the hair pulling and stuff like that. Yes. And she did that with Stevie, but it was kind of terrifying with Stevie's hair to see him actually be flung around yeah. with his full weight while she was holding on because, to the like, scalp.
1: Because, you see that happen a lot, as you were saying, with, like, female wrestlers, but oftentimes they're tiny. They weigh, like, less than 100 pounds, so when they get thrown around by their hair, it's kind of like, "Oh, that would be sore, but, you know, at least they're light. Stevie Richards looks pretty big.
0: He's one of them deceptively big wrestlers, and he's like
1: beefy too. Yeah, like not necessarily in like a overly muscular way, but, but he's, just he's a big dude, like. sturdy yeah, looking. Yeah. Like he looks quite dense. And the thought of him being chucked around by his hair makes my scalp feel weird.
0: I just fucking love, you know, this is the ECW crowd where. They're used to see women get beat up, really, you mm. know. And you know when Luna gets powerbombed, bombs, Joey Stars goes, It's the nineties! <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake, man. Yes it is. But just like how quick the crowd bought into it, it was as if they were because they've had you know, we saw like you know, Beulah fight Fonzie and all that, and there was a kind of a bloodbath. But like how quickly they bought Luna as like just yeah, she was wrestling, like, you know. It's really sh-
1: interesting this period of ECW because like the crowd is not what I thought a ECW crowd of being. Like the first thing we see in the crowd is a guy wearing a nice yellow Beach Boys t shirt. <laughs> and it's like I can't imagine, you know, a year or two years later that guy being allowed to wear that t shirt in that room.
0: But didn't Brian Wilson spend a year in bed watching ECW tapes, I'm Should pretty I sure. Know? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Uh, the greatest chance that we got in this match, Stevie fucks sheep. Right. Yeah, I was just yeah, I was impressed that they didn't manage to chant about Luna's breasts or dicks or anything like Two that. Two years
1: later, and they would have done, I'm sure.
0: Luna does a splash off the top of the cage and I sweet God. Them.
1: Her jumps, her splashes. She travels so far and she moves so quickly as well. She's like
0: spring loaded in yeah. her feet. And I think she almost always overshoots it, it feels like, because she's just like...
1: But I, I like that. I feel like too often in wrestling, like it happens all the time, especially like people with Bam Bam Bigelow, they undershoot. Yeah. They don't go far enough. And then you have people on commentary going, and he's made contact there because his forehead grazed lightly the the <laughs> the whiff of hair on yeah. the top of someone else's head. No, she fucking lands properly and she lands on her on her like crotch as well like which is a heavy bony part of the body to land on. Need
0: hips like. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of o- of RVD. You know yes. Speaking of ECW just that kind of the
1: powerful legs. The
0: hang time and just like the arms and legs back as far as possible. Yeah. You know, she's taking the move like she's an action figure more mm. or less. It was... And off the top of the cage And she pins Stevie And then goes No And she doesn't want to End the match there And
1: she goes down And grabs his balls And goes Aah! And squeezes them The <laughs>
0: testicular claw Which causes Stevie Richards To immediately tap out And the line of the night On commentary When Joey Styles says Well I'll be damned Stevie Richards had a set after all Yeah Knew that uh, was coming And then he also followed up with It's not the violence Against women at ECW That shocks me But the violence Committed by women That shocks me <laughs> And I was like, I feel like, all right, this match was almost done just so they could say that line. Yes, I think so. But unfortunately, you know, it didn't usher in a great era of intergender wrestling. But
1: probably because after that, they were like, oh yeah, because like any woman will probably just do that, won't they, to win? Because that's easy. There's not, <laughs> there's nothing the man can do about it either.
0: I mean, I like that they told the story that Luna did that. After she beat Stevie within an inch of his life yeah. and was going to pin him with a the move. And then she's like, because you're so beaten up now, I'm going to do this for at the fun. end for fun. I loved I it. I'll do this
1: for fun. Ah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was an intense encounter. And honestly, like it was one which I don't think was on the network when it first launched. I didn't know if we could find it. I was really glad. you know, Watching old ECW is a little bit of a crapshoot at the best of times. But it was probably one of the most pleasurable experiences of watching ECW, mainly because I don't think either of the combatants, it was like, oh, if you don't hear their cool entrance music, you don't get it. Yeah. you know, This felt like it had the spirit of ECW a lot better than a lot of the quote-unquote classic ECW matches we've tried and failed to watch because of edits that have been made on the network and all that. But how did you get on with Luda and Stevie Richards? What did you think of these two?
1: I enjoyed this match greatly. I thought it was a really good time. I as I said I loved her big jumps and there's loads of them in this match you yeah. really get to see just how like powerful she is and a daredevil as well like, and she like yeah. she has such confidence with the way like you can tell she comes from a wrestling family and that she's probably been running ropes since she was like you know five years old yeah she,
0: probably diving off you know couches in the living room yeah, and stuff like that she yeah. like
1: throws herself at every <laughs> surface possible so I gave this four stars because it was really fun and it was like a it's nice to see an intergender match which isn't as you were saying like just the classic like oh I don't want a bunch of woman oh yeah. but actually the woman is stronger than me
0: I mean, it's just you know let's th- say that that story is like that's inherently wrong or anything it's just that if that's that's the only story that wrestling yeah. has managed to be able to tell with intergender so often you know
1: also eye candy in stevie richards hey th- there was a Boy lot candy on, there
0: was a lot on offer for everyone in this exactly match. <laughs> yeah i just
1: it, it flipped a lot of tropes on its head and i really enjoyed that
0: it was like after this match and you know there was you know you have the end of the match and because it's ecw there was like when's the point where you turn off the match you know because there's always like something that happens afterwards that leads into the next 10 things and just because I recognized the pants that Tommy Dreber was wearing I was like oh yeah I'm pretty sure this is the bit where he handcuffs Raven to the cage and hits him with a chair and I don't know why I just had to watch it and I'm sorry that you saw it it was uh I just Do you want said,
1: to see a man get given brain damage.
0: It was just one of those little reminders of, like, I think anytime you see something from ECW, you're like, oh, go on ECW, you'd be like,
1: yeah, let me just show you a little bit of ECW,
0: the other side of the coin. like you know? I
1: feel like the network needs to put up warnings, like a lot of warnings. Yeah, unprotected chair shots to the head. Yeah, like, not even just like, because they've got the, you know, this is done by trained professionals, but I think they even need a disclaimer now that's like, you know, research has shown that yeah. we absolutely do not do this anymore. This is like completely do not do this at home.
0: I wonder... any circumstances. Do you think they th- they believe that's too much of a peek behind the curtain if they're like, we don't do chair... Because they've never said we don't do chair shots to the head anymore. They just don't.
1: Maybe. You know? I don't know. I just worry that like, you know, one day they'll just get rid of all the matches with the chair shots to the head and they'll be like, we never did that. <laughs> Instead of addressing yeah. it and being like, actually, we did do it and it's really bad mm. and we learned from our mistakes and we don't do it anymore.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was... Um, it it was just one of those little trips down memory lane. It was ECW in a nutshell. It was kind of parts of ECW that I'd forgotten that were great and parts of ECW that I'd forgotten, like, not necessarily forgotten, it's like, you remember something being great when you're 15 and you see it in 2021 and, you know, thankfully Dreamer is still wrestling and Raven is is mostly alright, but it was still fucking jarring as hell, you know? Yeah, and
1: I think it's, much easier to enjoy something like that before you know science tells you that these people then become different people as a result of these chair shots to the head.
0: I kind of feel like in some small way it was almost good that Luna's time there was short because mm, she could I, have
1: ended up doing some extreme stuff.
0: Yeah, I can, If you can imagine, and I'm not saying you know, he, I'm not saying he did. You know, this is a hypothetical here. But Luna always feels like in everything we've seen, she has to like she has this urge in her to overdeliver because she wants. She wants to be the best. She wants to, to, to carry on the legacy of yeah. not just her, her family and, her, and her, her aunt and all that. But she wants to define her own legacy mm. in a time where I can't think it'd be harder to try and do that as a woman in, in American wrestling. Yeah, And I could just, you know, you know, Heyman's like, oh, know,
1: yeah, that little whisper in her ear.
0: You're from the Fighting for Sean family and no one's tougher than you. And that's why you're going to take this power bomb through the flaming table. You know,
1: she she would have done anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely she would you know? have done. Well, she was badass, tough as nails. She probably could have done anything. Yeah. But like, yeah, whether or not that would have been a sensible thing to do is a different conversation.
0: She does have a little brief tenure in WCW. She has a couple of shots there against Alundra Blaze as Medusa. She has very little positive things to say about Medusa. She kind of viewed her as being kind of a, a political enemy and all that. And like I was watching, you know, these interviews with her and reading the interviews with her I first saying kind of like, you know, felt like it was a who's who of women's wrestling at the time that she was like, Oh god, they were terrible and they were, you know, awful and all that But she also did say like her issue with them was that she wanted what the men had, which was the men, at least in the locker room, had this sense that if we all get over, we're all going to do well because we all have better paychecks. Right,
1: yeah. But with the women... That's never going to happen. This
0: sense was always that if we all get over, two of us will be kicked to the curb because only one of us will be a star if there's three of us in the company. Yeah. So there was that kind of natural um, fear, I guess, from a lot of the women that who were stars, in commas, but the reality is, is that if you're the person who's bemoaning the other people for being like that, are you much different from them? Because you are essentially then cutting down your the other women. Yeah. I but like, mean, it's, it's lose-lose. It's lose-lose, it?
1: exactly. There is no way to win. I think it's very deliberately set up like that.
0: So she comes back into the Federation in around 1997 and she's paired up quite quickly with Goldust and the artist formerly known as Goldust Gimmick, where there's more than a wink and a nod to kind of you know bdsm and kind of you know some some sexy times that's played up for kind of for yucks on camera now i don't know nothing about dustin's personal life or anything like that i know that vince russo has more than often revealed his hand in terms of his particular taste by a lot of very specific verbiage that seems to be used by by women in particular in wrestling but (laughs) i i i don't want to spend ages speculating about someone's personal life But she did a series of matches with Gangrel for a company called WWA in Australia. And they didn't go down very, very well. They were quite bad. And Gangrel said in interviews, he was like, you know, most of our friends were like, you did better matches in your bedroom, in your living room, you know, than the ones you put on TV there. Okay. And there seems to be an implication there that their relationship was, uh, again, to quote Michael Cole, physical. And I think that there was a lot of that in it right um (laughs) to what extent i don't know
1: i hope gangrel was okay with that because like all i know about their relationship so far is that like she bit him and attacked him lots and eventually he like wore him it's like brock lesnar and sable he wore her down and she wore him down (laughs) okay it is always
0: worth pointing out what a normal lad gangrel is for (laughs) for a man who has legitimate vampire teeth he is a very normal dude i'm gonna
1: choose to believe Because I don't know anything about him. I'm going to choose to believe that it awoke something in him and he was into it in the end.
0: (laughs) I I think, like, they did spit up in the end. And I tried to find out, like, why they did spit up. And I know that Luna had problems with drugs later in her life. I know at one point she was a born-again Christian. Oh, okay. In one of the only kind of interviews I could find where he talked about it. You could tell he still had a big soft spot in his heart for him. He was kind of, you know, fighting back tears and whatnot. Oh, bless. But I think... uh, he he alluded to the fact that whatever their lifestyle was Mm. and they went kind of deeper and deeper down into that lifestyle to the point where he wanted out and she didn't and i think Mm. it was drugs sex stuff and the company they were keeping and whatnot and yeah when the vampire taps out it's probably a sign that you're in some kind of you know not to kink shame but i think they were in kind of a bit of a dark spiral at one point
1: Yeah, or maybe just on, like, totally different wavelengths. Yeah. Like, she's obviously quite unique in the things that she's willing to do to herself and to others and you have to be a certain type of person to enjoy that so I know
0: by 1997 in wrestling as well it's a much different company in WWF than you would have had when she left originally because you've had the rise of you know two women who really really kind of changed what it meant to be a woman in, in WWF which were Sonny and Sable and also as well I guess you could argue from a different perspective somebody who defined what it meant to be a very different type of woman and probably no one else got to be that role ever since which was China. Mm. So Luna in there into that mix was very, very different indeed. And it went from being a company where her being kind of scary and stuff like that is good for, you know, cause we're doing a family friendly product. And now it was more being used to kind of almost use her to hold her up as a mirror against like, well, here's you know Sable and here's Sunny mm. and here's Luna. And I don't know. It felt to me a little bit like that would get to your confidence and your image of yourself at, at a certain point.
1: I think it could do i don't mm. think it necessarily would
0: because we watched i think uh we did uh there was a miss rumble swimsuit contest yes, we did
1: the uh, fabulous moolah and may young yeah
0: and she was in that and like she did not want to do that like at all like she did not want to do that was that
1: the same one which had was it ivory ivory as well Yeah, they had a lot of women in that who were you like didn't
0: want to, fucking <laughs> didn't really do, want to it. do it and
1: then you had may young and fabulous moolah who were like yes take up yeah. all our clothes. <laughs>
0: But, like, I, I was watching this interview with her and she's saying, like, you know, no one wants to see me in a bikini. People pay to be scared by me. Like, hmm. and why would you want to see me in a bikini? And then she was like, you know, then I put on my bikini. I was like, I kind of I was almost shocked by, like, how good I looked. And yeah. I was like You know, it happens with wrestlers sometimes when you get so down the rabbit hole of a character and yeah. an image.
1: Well, when it gets to the point where you're tattooing veins on your face? Yeah. Like that is going to change your self-image because you'll yeah. wake up in the morning and you'll see a veiny scary face looking back at you. And it just
0: kind of yeah, if the fact that, you know, Luna wasn't able to appreciate herself in a bikini or a lingerie or whatever like like <laughs> millions of her fans definitely did. Mm. That for me was just kind of like, oh, you know, resting business, but I wonder specifically her circumstances and that like that drive that she has to be this character, Mm. you know, for whatever reasons that was.
1: Well, she wanted to be unique and she definitely was, but I don't think it's just down to like how they booked her. I think it's partly down to how they booked, the other types of women, like mm-hmm. Sable and Sunny, and that lot, and that you have on commentary, Jerry Lawler going, "Ah, I can't wait to see them naked. Oh, I hope they lose this match so they're naked." man ah. and it's as
0: if you have the commentators going like, Ugh, Luna," like, but they'd be like, "They'd be scared for yeah. whatnot," but but yeah. like they wouldn't
1: ever sexualize her if there was like, yeah, you, you know, because there's other women to do that too That's mm. their job. That's what Sunny and Sable and that lot. That's what they're for.
0: It kind of feels like it almost always is going to end badly when you take someone with the unique background and mindset of Luna and pair them up with someone like Sable Mm. it just feels like that's an almost impossible way to do business with all the various men pulling the strings in their ears. Yeah, and I just think
1: I think it says a lot about how sexualized in general wrestling is. Is that like a woman like Luna who didn't need? You know, she was a. I think she's a you know, very sexy woman in her own right, but she didn't need to be. And I think it's the fact that she felt that she needed to be sexy in some way, though mm. so that was like tied to her worth. When yeah. actually her value is a lot more in her unique and in her performances and stuff like that. But she still even still was like, oh, well, you know, oh, not me. I can't be sexy, even though I probably should be sexy because I'm a woman. you, You
0: don't have a division deep enough to facilitate the nuance yeah a the spectrum like of women yeah. yeah that's it it's like kind of here's the hot one and here's the not hot yeah. one that's kind of how they're presenting it and all the stuff with Sable came about it was entirely like Sable was never brought in to be a wrestler she was she was <laughs> really yeah <it's, laughs>
1: working her way through the indies yeah Sable
0: uh, Hiro Matsuda broke her leg on the first day of training I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs>
1: you know she had to
0: she had to pick Mark Mare up on her back and climb a flight of uh, fire escape stairs I'm pretty sure and was like don't let go uh, <laughs> you you know I was in the research for this and you were like a how-to sable and, and you I, were like no no way and then like literally I stopped for a second and was like yeah you're right actually that's yeah. gonna be because who huge. else is
1: gonna fucking do it no other wrestling podcast would <laughs> that's that's, true. that's what makes us different is that i will put my foot down and be like no i want a how-to deborah i want a how-to sable <laughs> i want to find
0: everything there is to know i, do,
1: I genuinely do I, I appreciate I, it. we're not gonna just talk about their boobs either even though we might talk a little bit about the boobs just a
0: bit <laughs> <laughs> no i like it though because you know wwe and some people always turn the nose at this, you know. Luna's put in the Hall of Fame in 2019. And It feels like every year, like a different woman gets put in because WWE be, like wants to be seen to be putting, you know, yeah. a woman in. But it feels like it's almost always met with crossed arms and tuts from wrestling fans. Because oh, why is Tori Wilson getting Not or, a real it...
1: wrestler. And it's like, well, it's like their job was a wrestler. Yeah, they were so on... they are a real wrestler, whether or not you like them.
0: They were on the road, you know, just as much, if not more, in some cases, yeah. than the men. And, you know,
1: I just feel like you know, I love Baron Corbin. And if Baron Corbin was a woman. He probably would have been like Sable or someone. <laughs> so I have to fight for my Baron Corbins of this world.
0: <laughs> we over, regard as a woman, Baron Corbin as a woman. That's what he said. So, yeah, Sable was kind of, you know. Mer- Merrow was the big signing, Merrow was the big steal from WCW, he was uh, Johnny B-Bad and Vince McMahon loved that gimmick and he wanted Merrow in the company. <laughs>
1: Reminded him his childhood and probably. And he
0: realised that he didn't have the rights to that gimmick so he was stuck with Mark Merrow but luckily his amazing wife Sable was there as well and Sable was kind of a, an enigma in some respects because they didn't do much with her and she got over like way more than probably even Sonny who was out there like every night being like, Hey, I'm Sunny. I'm your, I'm your favorite. Like Sonny you
1: know, was like a face. Wasn't she? She was like kind of girl next door.
0: She was, but she, you know, she played it. She did play a heel character as right. well, but she was kind of, Sunny was like kind of uh, mischievous and cheeky. was kind of her thing. You know, right. Sonny would like spray a water pistol at Jerry, the King Lawler or something like oh, okay, that. Right. Where Sable would come and wave. Right, and Sable was you know there was never a chance that you know she was going to be doing kind of physical stuff or anything like that. But on the house show loop, I think there was one night Luna said that there was a snowstorm and there was way less wrestlers on the card than normal, so everyone had to like extend their match by five or ten minutes. And I think it was a like Goldust versus Mero, and they were like, "We have to go like fucking twenty minutes in this match. We don't even really know how we're going to do." And Luna was like, "Oh no, oh." I'll do stuff with Sable at ringside and she started like you know chasing her and stalking her and they did a bit where they got in the ring and they had like the referee pull them apart and it got over huge because fans love Sable and they loved when Why
1: she Why did they love Sable? Because
0: she was you know it's it's the late nineties. It's after Baywatch, Pamela Anderson, Barb Wire. It's like the zeitgeist yeah, that... of the hot woman at the time was a busty blonde they've with got... a peek over the sunglasses and the big hair.
1: But they've got Sonny.
0: Sonny wasn't wasn't sable. It's different different breeds. You know? And that that's honestly is. And because she didn't have the sunglasses? I she she had a I mean, she had a different body, even though they're both blonde ladies, <laughs> you know. She had a different <laughs> body type, but she was and if anyone tells you otherwise, I think they're wrong. It was genuinely the fact that she was very much in the mold of a of a Pamela Anderson from that time period, which was like in the late 90s. That's what, what red-blooded males, as they would like to say on commentary, that's what they wanted to see. And I think Sunny so was, it- was like a wrestling character, where Sable felt like she... I don't want to talk too much about Sable, because we're going to do an episode. Yeah. But she felt like this... Supermodel who just happened to come into wrestling. Right. She okay. was like because Sable Sonny was like a wrestling fan and you know training, oh, okay, you know, whereas Sable was not like a wrestling entity. She was this you know that was how she, Vince McMahon and Vince Russo thought she was the most beautiful woman they had ever seen, and she was presented as such. Right. In a nineties vibe. Right. Okay. You know? I so, still
1: don't really understand, but I don't wanna, I want to. All the more track. reason for
0: an episode, I yeah, guess. You definitely, know? we'll try and explain the allure of Sable in our episodes, <laughs> and I think you know. They love to see her wave, but, you know, the idea of her getting in a fight with Luna.
1: <gasps> if, you've, if you've seen her wave, I mean, you can't imagine what she's like. Well, she... They might pull hair, they might yeah. roll
0: around, they might, oh. you know, some clothes might come <gasps> off, you know, gasp. Oh my God! And Luna taught Sable a couple of basics, like, yeah. here's how to take, you know, a hair pull, or here's how to throw my hair. And if you watch any time these two are, you know, ever locked up or did anything, it's pretty much like... Luna's like right put your hand here your other hand here and Luna moves herself around yeah. it's, it's kind of like
1: Kenny Omega wrestling a blow up sex doll <laughs> I didn't mean for that to sound <laughs> as mean as it did it I literally... so mean. I'm so sorry I could have <laughs> just as easily said someone wrestling a pencil but... yeah
0: Brian Pillman wrestled a pencil <laughs> and Ric Flair could hypothetically wrestle a broom we don't need to ring Omega and sex doll into it it was a it. great match though <laughs> so um, yeah the idea then is that They're going to bring back the women's championship at one point. And Luna's really excited about this because the women's championship, you know, it kind of, it was there, then it wasn't. And then it was not there for, for like years and years and years. And they decided they're going to bring it back around this time in the nineties. Luna's literal goal since she was five years old, she wanted to be the women's wrestling world champion. You know, like her aunt Vivian was, she wanted to be a world champion for women's wrestling in some company. Didn't care where, but I think she really wanted to be in, in the world wrestling federation. And according to her, she was told we'll do this feud you and Sable. We're going to give Sable the war- the women's belt at some point, and then you'll get to have the women's belt at some point after that. So she was really into this idea of getting Sable over and all that. Mm. So this builds then up to this next match we're going to be doing, which is Mark Merrow and his wife Sable taking on the artist formerly known as Goldust and his partner and inspirational Luna Vachon. This is from WrestleMania 14 which is a, a very big night in the history of wrestling. The, the dawn of the Attitude Era proper, as, as I once believed it to be.
1: I'm so surprised that she's had, like, we're doing two WrestleMania matches of hers. She, she, she Never would have guessed.
0: Yeah, she did pretty damn well. At, at this point, they mentioned on commentary at the start, they're like, JR's like, there's only been two other intergender matches in wrestling history. You know, the other one involves Sapphire or Dusty Rhodes. Right. We've seen that one. And like, I can't, so.
1: At this point, they wouldn't have exactly had women's matches, like singles matches on WrestleMania, um, would they? Let me think. I'm trying to think of any woman. I don't know if Bull
0: Meccano or or Linda Blaze had a match at WrestleMania, and I don't think they did. I think this, you know, Luna may have been kind of. the only one. Unless I'm thinking about very early WrestleMania, I'm sure Mula may may have had a match or something like that. But, I mean, Luna, in terms of high profile and, like, you know, being featured and all that, yeah, she definitely was, you know. And this was. A difficult match for Luna because she thought this was kind of her meal ticket to getting to the next level and also to women's wrestling getting to the next level. And she was apparently told beforehand, you lay a scratch on Sable, you give her a bruise, you give her, you know, a mark of any sort, you're fired. Why? Because Sable, we need her for the pictorials, she's going to be bikini shoots, playboy. TV commercials. So who's saying this? Vince? Pritchard, Vince, Russo, you know, the the, the brain thrust out the back there.
1: So I think stuff like that is probably going to go some way to making you think that, oh, I'm not. You know, no one wants to see me because that's why I can I can set myself on fire. I can probably give myself brain damage by hitting myself in the face. Can you imagine a man I can't being, bruise my competitor.
0: Can you imagine a man to being told, like, make sure you don't get a mark on him. Like? On Roman
1: Reigns. Yeah. Don't you dare... Brock Lesnar, don't you dare bruise <laughs> <Yeah>. Roman Reigns. A <laughs> precious, pretty hunk.
0: But also as well, you know for a fact that if she went out and they had, like, a kind of a fake fight, you know, like oh, you know, a yeah. whiff no contact no moves she would have probably gotten you know just as bad if not worse they've let her go before they don't mind doing it you know so i thought i'd tell you that kind of we're going through the match now knowing that that's in the back of her mind here that's so shit the video package that tells us about the controversy that brought us here what do you think of the storyline did you make much head or tail of it
1: so mark merrow is there and then (laughs) And and he's all like trying to get over with the crowd and the crowd actually just like Sable more. Yeah. Because she waves. You
0: should have tried waving, Mark. Yeah, have you tried Idiot. waving? <laughs>
1: have you tried being a hot white lady? <laughs> and then Sable like, does she slap Luna or something? Or yep. she slaps Goldust and then the crowd go wild and everyone's like, oh, we're going to have her in a match. And then they have this match.
0: It's all about Meryl's rise to mediocrity. Yes. Or as JR refers to it Two of the most insecure men in the sport of wrestling, locking horns.
1: They say that Luna's jealous of Sable because Luna's life lacked any tenderness, whereas Sable was kind, successful, beautiful, in love.
0: Wow. No, I think it was and loved.
1: Oh, and loved. And loved.
0: Not just in love, and loved. Right. They refer to Luna as being a possessed demon, and that this is as a result of an avalanche of insanity. And I thought... Okay, well, they're not leaning too heavily into it. They're like, this match is Beauty and the Beast. Like, yeah. Okay, for does that mean Mark Merrow is beautiful and the artist formerly known as Goldust is a beast as well? I or... would say so.
1: I'd say that's pretty accurate. The beauty and the beast comparison didn't personally upset me i I think you know somebody's got to be the beast i don't think beast is inherently bad no that's
0: true and luna's definitely leaving into the bestial aspects exactly
1: yeah but um is definitely pretty
0: tell me about the the look here that luna vachon is is rocking when she comes out with the artist formerly known as
1: so she's she comes out and she's wearing this like silver t-shirt corset jacket thing and then underneath is like a a gold thonged bodysuit and then she's got these big silver space boots on
0: big austin powers final act vibes to this one you know they're they're, they're (laughs) kind of aluminium foil outfits that they have to wear later on Um, this is like even though i've seen this match many times before this is still shocking the degree of the heat
1: Oh yeah the crowd Fucking are obsessed With Sable They're so hot for her
0: Because you know Mero ain't that over With the crowd really at all They have like, made a gimmick out of it Booing him approach. And you know We've watched a few Of those artists For me known as Goldus segments They hate them They, they <laughs> kind of oftentimes they hate them And bemuse them into silence yeah. Almost It doesn't really You know It was an uphill struggle With my co-host On my other show To try and convince them That this angle Is actually really good
1: <laughs>
0: And that you should appreciate Golda's crap artistry
1: thank you for fighting the battle I,
0: I, I am a firm believer that it's a very good gimmick it is a
1: good gimmick I, look that on ECW would have gone down so well
0: oh yeah I just I love the idea there's something that for me is infinitely hilarious for someone is like now you'll see my true artistic brilliance and it's shit
1: yeah he's like crawling around like in a gimp outfit <laughs>
0: there was a bit which we watched for the Adityar podcast for recently where he came out and he's like now that I've been fully unchanged from my r- wife and child responsibilities I can read a poem i wrote when i was a child and he just reads (laughs) out some dr zeus and pretends that he wrote it himself and then luna punches him in the mouth and calls him a freak
1: (laughs) drags him away on the leash
0: so good the absolute fucking mastery of this because all three people here besides sable are working round the clock to make that crowd want sable even more yeah they have luna kind of almost against character because she's like scratching and calling to get at her and you know eating fucking flowers to get at Sable in the promo package and then anytime there's a hint that Sable's going to come in and fight her she's running she's right out of dodge she's, she becomes a coward suddenly she doesn't
1: want to accidentally bruise Sable by like making contact with her own hard face and Sable's delicate fist <laughs> Oh no, might hurt Sable's hand.
0: I like we get like two or three times where it's like the crowd think they're about to see Sable get her hands on Luna. It's like no, absolutely not, you know, and because of the rules of the match, Sable can only be in there with Luna, so if Luna runs away it means Sable is is taken to the outside and they're literally building them to a fever pitch. King speculates that it's some kind of a psychology that Luna is playing mm. on her, you know? And the line of the night on this particular bit of commentary, when King refers to Sable as being pretty as a picture, but Luna wants to hang her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the best thing he's ever said.
0: When we finally get Sable tagged in, holy shit. On a night where Mike Tyson crowns Steve Austin, the world's champion, this may be a comparable pop. It is Insane. The place is unglued. You
1: get a Sable chance. Yeah, I can't believe like this is you know this is 1998, so peak Steve Austin, peak The Rock. Yeah, and yet Sable is like who the fans are absolutely obsessed with.
0: And could you like list any of the moves that Sable actually did when she got in there? She did
1: a couple of kicks that were, were pretty good. Pretty like
0: Luna's kicks. So, you know. They
1: were kind of, but Luna puts more energy, more aggression behind them. Yeah, Sable makes them kind of sexy. <laughs> She um, she Did did she do an Irish whip at one point? She did like all the basic 101 stuff that you'd probably learn if you get like a free day of wrestling training, yeah. you know, and they don't want to hurt you.
0: You get her doing the powerbomb as well. That's kind of a big moment. Yeah,
1: well, Luna basically powerbombing herself. That,
0: that is it. Like, And you can see like later on they would have like, Sable do that to the likes of Mark Merrow and stuff like that. You can't and it's do like, it. Yeah, little <laughs> Luna who can wrestle herself here. She gives herself a powerbomb and then she gives herself the tko as well like it's fucking incredible (laughs) so the finish does come when we have the we have the uh the miscommunication between luna and goldust where luna accidentally splashes goldust again with that crazy amount of verticality in there we get the sable bomb and then the tko the meros pick up the win and like you know a lot of obviously goes to to goldust and merrow who obviously able to wrestle to keep the crowd invested but not do so much that they would be accused of outshining yeah the real star piece here but luna who felt like you know she really if there was no luna there sable would not have seemed like a star no and sable <laughs> did not get on as well with some of her other opponents later on in this run and sable would only be in the company for a year after this and then she'd be gone for for a while mm. and i think luna really it's like one of those I swear this has happened before with other wrestlers when someone is like paired up with them and they're really, really good. So like the heel or whatever is helping them look great. Yes. And then they think, Oh, this person's a great star, they can they can do it with oh, anyone. Yeah. And you kind of forget, like luna described afterwards she came backstage and Lu- and Sable was first and everyone was like, wow, like standing ovation for Sable. And when Luna came in, everyone sat down and, oh. Like didn't even look at her.
1: Fucking hell, that's so insulting. No
0: one said anything to her. She Jesus went.
1: Jesus Christ! And like, I know wrestling's bad for shit like that, but like, genuinely, if they if they were men, that would not have happened.
0: She goes by the makeup cases yeah. because she knows that they're big and she could hide behind and cry. Oh no! This is her big oh, WrestleMania no. match as well. And by the way, by far Sable's best match ever and own heart is the one person who comes by and he tells her they'll never know they'll never appreciate what you just did for her they don't understand but like anyone like anyone who knows their 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 onions here in wrestling they know exactly that you made that match you made it special you you just made her a star and the way she described it she says people like terry funk and me we're ragged and real but own heart was beautiful and real and just like you know Not many people would go up to the fucking scary lady covered in veins who's having a shit time at WrestleMania and make the little bit of time for her. Mm. But it's nice to know that, like, even in kind of shit times like this, that there was that kind of level of camaraderie there still, you know, among the wrestlers.
1: It's so nice when you hear of all, like, the little outcasts in wrestling, like, sticking together and, like, supporting each other and stuff. And it's like, of course it's Owen Hart. Like, of course it is.
0: And, you know as it kind of stands and all that you know it was kind of the beginning of the end in many respects for 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 luna in mm. in the company because i think she, you're not
1: gonna want to stick around you just won't feel good about yourself after that like yeah and it's like you don't feel welcome there anymore appreciated
0: it really does kind of emphasize that there was an upper limit on what they could do yeah you know and i've listened to a lot of like you know jor and pritchard and they have their own podcast where they talk about it and pritchard honestly feels like he could give two shits about it i like, fucking you know,
1: bet well he's got well, not blood on his hands, but he's got guilt yeah. on his head. Which
0: he refuses to acknowledge or anything like that. Mm. But if it makes it feel any better at home, folks, he's probably incredibly tired right now when you're listening. Whenever oh, it is that you're listening. Good. I hope he
1: gets, like, no sleep most of the day. Can you imagine the last shit that
0: Bruce Pritchard took and how bad it must have oh, been? Oh, I bet it
1: took him, like, over an hour.
0: Yeah, I bet it melted the porcelain. I'm just saying, like, you know. But uh, <laughs> Jr. is a little bit more sympathetic to Luna because he was, like, he was head of town relations and he says in as many words like he could see how much Luna wanted to be you know, Mad Dog or be this kind of big character and it's yeah. like we just weren't going to do it like, no. you know, and no one could tell that to her without, you know, just making her leave straight away so we just kind of that's so shit though we We, we
1: wanted her around doing the exact thing that she wants to do but also we don't want her to leave and we're not willing to actually like make her feel good about herself or book her in a way that makes her you know unique
0: it's his roundabout way of saying like eyes bigger than your stomach you're a woman wrestler in 1999 you're not getting shit like you know get over it
1: it's like having a really cool limited edition toy that you don't really like Yeah, everyone else really wants to play with it and you're like no
0: so this match obviously was was big and monumental for many many reasons Uh, many considered. To be the the finest intergender match that had happened at WrestleMania until Ronda Rousey and Triple H and Kurt Angle had a, and Stephanie had a few things to say about that. Okay, but I was wondering what your thoughts were on this match. Did you have a star rating
1: for me? And a... yeah, yeah, I. I, I match was okay it was not great mm. it was not technically bad either but it wasn't great and i i was disappointed because i wanted to see more from luna and obviously realizing now the circumstances she wasn't really allowed to do she almost anything. compromised
0: her character to give that yeah. story because like, that wasn't luna as far as i was concerned no. running away and all that it was weird and like no
1: wonder she was upset afterwards like mm. because like she kind of not sold herself out but like she sold herself short for the yes. sake of like yeah. you know she thought she was going to get something else back from this and then for like no one to appreciate it or anything like i just think that's really shit but even without knowing all that i i didn't think it was a very good match i only gave it two stars because i wanted more of luna and instead it was like just the sable show and Sable's yeah. not very good well
0: <laughs> some more of this is going to probably enrage you a little bit then i guess so we have you know then wanted to Continue this feud and get to the point where Sable's going to become, you know, the you know maybe get the belt or something like that, or maybe Luna's going to get the belt and Sable will get it down the line. And Sable is incensed because on the Raw magazine, which is what Russo was still the editor of, they did a little in character promo, a little interview with with Luna, and in the the magazine, the you know typical stuff. What do you think of Sable? And she's like, ah, she's just a pretty face the only reason she's here is because you know all these you know drooling fans who want to see a piece of meat you know you know just run her down and saying she had no wrestling skills i'm a proper wrestler she's yeah. just a pretty face and i'm going to make her ugly and for whatever reason i, I can't believe i'm actually saying this about someone who's paid six figures to wrestle sable thought that was for real Oh and
1: that uh, she was. Does she not know what business she's in? <laughs> Apparently not! Because, like. like it's, in, it's in a kayfabe publication. Like, like. <laughs> shit like that happens now on social media from, like, face wrestlers, and it makes no sense that it pisses me off. It makes sense for Luna to say this stuff in a raw publication. This a magazine. She's yeah. a heel. It makes sense for her character and it makes sense for Sable's character. I don't understand how anyone can have issue with this. No,
0: I get, get you because when it's stuff like social media, I often find like, well, one second you're 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 being the character, one second you're being the person who wants you to check out a charity you're interested in. It's yeah. very hard to know what the fuck is going on. Like, but if it's in yeah the realms of this, like, yeah. how is there any room for misunderstanding whatsoever? So this leads to a confrontation between the two of them and it's in front of fucking like the, it's in catering and all that. No. And she goes up and she's like, Sable's like, you know, you've been saying all this stuff about me, you know, saying all the shit behind my back. And Luna's like, I'm just trying to help you become a better wrestler. That's yeah, all this is. This is great. just an angle. That's all this fucking is. You know, if you like if you worked with me, you'd get over better. And then Sable, with the comeback of the century, says vince says i don't have to take bumps i'm gonna be the champion oh
1: my fucking god
0: and you know i just as soon as you say that and like kind of like the lineage of the Vashan family like just kind of goes, through your eyes and you know that's like insulting to say to any wrestler to someone who feels like they're doing like they're trying to fight for their fucking family's lineage and all that because you know there was no younger vishan's wrestling that was it it was it was luna yeah and you know People didn't realize at the time as well. Luna had young children at home. What? Yeah, Luna was a mom pretty young, and oh she my God. she had you know her kids at home be minded so she could go off and you know be wrestler. And... Fucking
1: imagine your mom being Luna Vachon. But like you wow. know, wow,
0: she's kind of making like whatever. But you know, a lot of guys have, have have abandoned their kids and went off on the road. But like to be a mother and give birth and then to to leave your kids so you can go and do this with the goal of.
1: Yeah, you know, you think at least it's for something. Yeah, you know, It's for your career, it's Championships for your goals, or, it's for your dreams. Yeah,
0: it's kind of that you know, the sacrifices is twofold there then, yeah. at that point. So, yeah, they have this big fucking, you know, polar scream screaming match and all that. Of course, it's in front of fucking everyone as well, you know, in inside of catering all of a sudden Mero is, is there as well and Mero's shouting at Gangrel saying like, you know, you need to keep you know, a lid on her she's fucking crazy and all that and then Gangrel stands up to defend his, his wife's daughter and goes well if you care so fucking much about the girls wrestling why don't you put on a fucking dress and go out and wrestle them then Mero right. and they have a big fucking Paul the Park brawl and who's right in front of them? Shane and Stephanie McMahon are there getting their food and it's just an absolute shit show And surprisingly, the vampire and the demon are the ones who are labeled kind of a little bit like the troublemakers, but it's more so Luna. It's kind of like... Well, like, can I
1: imagine, though, like, if it became an actual fight, there were probably some bruises on Sable because Luna's a badass. Yeah. Tough as nails. I wouldn't want to fight her.
0: It's tough. You know, J.R. said in that podcast of his, he said something that was very difficult for Gangrel was that because at this point Luna was kind of very paranoid about her position by extension she was very paranoid about Gangrel's stuff mm. so she would you know be second guessing like if they're going to book him doing this she'd be you know in his ear saying you need to go to vince and say you're not going to do it because right. they're doing this to bury you and bury me and like it's understandable that fucking earworm gets in you and you think that they don't like you and they want you out the door so mm. you think everything that's been presented to you is being done to kind of lessen your value and also
1: probably there is a bit or a lot I'm of I'm sure that.
0: there's a bit to it but honestly probably the thing that lessens their value in the long run was, was the notion or the belief then with management that they're difficult because they're second guessing everything mm. you know it's, it's a double edged sword you've, yeah. you've, one person who's standing up for themselves and going up to Vince's office and doing the right thing and then the other person does that is a busybody yeah. you know and it's it's difficult particularly I guess if you're a woman in that yeah. position you're more than likely to get labeled being a busybody yeah. you know as opposed to someone sticking up to the boss you know so it's kind of like, it's kind of shit. I thought, you know, we would we would go on to where the next part of this angle takes us, which was the following month. And I thought this was kind of telling for, for many ways. WrestleMania, we've got, you know, Sable being alluded to in a match, and it's the hottest thing in the world. And we're literally one month later. From Unforgiven 1998, this is an evening gown match. Dude. As Sable is pitted against... Luna, and we have a little interview with Luna backstage with Doc Hendricks Where she ruins everyone's fun by saying that she's going to leave Sable like a newborn <laughs> Just what the fans wanted before the evening gown match So when this match started, JR was like I ain't never seen an evening gown match before, folks I've seen a couple of guys wrestling in a tuxedo match, but never an evening gown match So I'm wondering if you knew anything about a tuxedo match I've never heard of that
1: about this. And I'm amazed because I talk about men in suits all the time. Especially (laughs) men in suits getting, like, embarrassed. (laughs) And yet no one's told me that tuxedo matches are a thing.
0: By the way, you should check out on our Patreon page or recent pay-per-view classic, The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, getting very embarrassed in a suit. Jill had a very, very good time indeed. whole bunch of those episodes available now. A lot of fun. We go back and look at classic wrestling pay-per-views as chosen by our fans, but yeah, the tuxedo match. All right. If, if you were in your hypothetical, you know, I'm giving you the pencil now. Yeah. And you're, you're going to book me a, a tuxedo match. How, how does it go down? Who's involved? What, what, what is it all about?
1: Okay. So I'm basing it on an evening gown match. Okay. So two men in tuxedos. hmm They've got to strip down the other guy, their opponent, to his underpants. Okay. I'm gonna say to make it extra humiliating, down to pants and socks specifically.
0: <laughs> and those special uh, Suspe- sock suspenders. Yes, yeah. which is lingerie for men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it would be it would make sense because tuxedos have lots of different accoutrements okay. to them. Like you have to have the fiddly bow tie and the, the cummerbund and stuff. Like I feel that would make a good match. It would be quite long because there's lots of layers. That's
0: true, that's true. It's very difficult. To get a cover bundle off, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who are you booking in your fantasy tuxedo match? What year is this? I mean, we could go fantasy booking, you know, the, the world is your oyster, Joe. That's too big. Okay, let's go with, like, let's go with kind of 90s then, maybe. 90s. Yeah.
1: Okay, in a tuxedo match. It's got to be someone who would make sense in a tuxedo. So, I mean, Ted DiBiase definitely makes sense. Plus, yeah. we know he's the type of guy who's down for that. Like, yeah. he seems like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's already done it in the muck. So he's probably fine with Everyone's
0: being... got a price, including me, Ted DiBiase, yeah. who will do literally anything for money.
1: <laughs> and, hmm i hmm. think of more 90s wrestlers not Bret hart i can't imagine him in a tox it's weird yeah it's,
0: it's a little bit too dignified isn't yeah, I don't it like that. you know that'd be mm. like having like molly holly in a in a brown panties match it yeah. feels wrong like
1: hmm. i mean owen hart would be good but Ooh. i feel he's very similar energy to ted dibiase like, oh, owen hart trying to cover cheeky. his body
0: with swammy awards <laughs> when he runs away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about rick flair it feels like oh rick
1: flair absolutely yeah because
0: rick was you know he would do a tuxedo match on himself a lot of yes. the time. You just rip them all off. That's but, the thing, yeah.
1: He'd, yeah, he'd probably just lose. He'd very much be like
0: kind of a sable or like kind of you with know, those kind of. You just start to pants, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, that's, a, that's an excellent tuxedo match that you've booked there. Thank you, yes. You, you, get a, you definitely get a lot of eyes, if not subscriptions for that. And they
1: can fight over the money element, because they're both <laughs> rich guys, and that's why they're in a tuxedo. They could have, like, the, the winner gets a Rolex or I don't something. Want, I want someone to
0: be thrown into a big pile of Frère Rocher in the middle of it as well. Like,
1: <laughs> big Ambassador's Triangle pyramid. Now, those at home... Correct
0: me if I'm wrong, because I know the tuxedo matches, but the only tuxedo matches that I'm aware of...
1: Wait, so you've never seen one? I've seen one. Okay.
0: But the only ones that I'm aware of took place in early WCW, and it was usually the managers that did it. Oh. So we've had, like... Bobby po- Heenan. Bo- I don't think Bobby Heenan's been on. Really? but we've had, like, Jim Cornette versus Paul Heyman.
1: Yay! Every woman's fantasy.
0: Or like Howard Finkel, the ring announcer, <laughs> versus Harvey Whippleman, the no, little manager. are doing Bruno. this
1: all wrong. <laughs> Not like that. So
0: it's kind of yeah. They went for the kind of the gag stuff. Usually, mm. I don't think if if there has been a genuinely hunky tuxedo match, we need to know. But it was just weird. Where it was like one of those things where. It, it was the the oddly shaped men were the founding fathers yeah. of the strip match, not the women. And then
1: they made it with sexy women instead. That's so bizarre.
0: These evening gowns leave something oh, to be desired. Joe. are jo. shit.
1: Luna Vachon is dressed like she's wearing like a Halloween store. Witch's outfit. Like, or, literally. or something
0: you could buy in Asha in Stephen's Green in Dublin. I always get a good tweet or two after I make a reference <laughs> to my far more goth lifestyle.
1: I got a witch's outfit for like a fiver in quality save last Halloween. Oh, yeah. And it looks exactly like the one that Luna <laughs> is wearing. Sable isn't even in a dress. She's wearing, like, a sparkly blouse and a sparkly skirt. And she looks like your glamorous aunt who's attending a funeral.
0: <laughs> like, oh, she's wearing black, but she's trying to make a show of us. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Embarrassing.
0: She leaves early, like, you know. I hear
1: she's got a flask of sherry in her, in her jacket. <laughs>
0: awesome. Now, it became apparent to me early on that this is more function than form. And that they didn't go out and find some great evening gowns and then stripped out of them. They, I think, made these to be stripped out of because. Yeah, but
1: like, even still, like, hey and this is the issue I've had with other evening gown matches that I've seen, and I've, I think, I've only seen one other one. But the, an evening gown is a specific item of clothing. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't have a tuxedo match and then have a guy come out in like. I don't know, dress like a teacher.
0: Oh, lads! It would be amazing if they have a tuxedo match, it's and then like someone comes out
1: short-sleeved blue shirt, and
0: it's like your, your thing says a, black a tie. tie, and they're wearing like jeans and a sports yeah. coat, I'm like get out of here, go home, disqualification, not allowed to take part in the tuxedo match
1: An evening gown match. Like in theory, I really like the idea because evening gowns are really complicated. I mean, yeah. y- you know, I've got a couple of evening you do, gowns. Yes. They involve tape. They involve sometimes special <laughs> underwear, sometimes corsets. You like,
0: have to put out a special candle if they're worn, otherwise it feels wrong.
1: Like there's, And like, I have
0: to cook a really special dinner.
1: There's complicated elements to it, which would make a match more stimulating and more interesting because, like I was saying with the tuxedos, there's layers involved and some of the bits are complicated and they might require like a zip that gets I stuck see. or like, you know, a corset <laughs> bit that has to be untangled. Whereas this... It's just a t-shirt and a skirt they And it's like disassembled yeah. By like velcro sleeves The
0: the first move of the match is Luna goes over and goes meh And pulls off Sable's arm Then <laughs> Sable's like how dare you And she removes meh. her arm And it's like oh okay It's like Special I mean if you Lego bought, clothes. I mean, yeah, we've all gotten something off, you know, AliExpress or something like that that we've regretted. Uh, yeah. But you know, no one no one's ever bought a shirt and be like, Oh, this is awful. I got it on, on Alibaba and just the sleeve just comes off when it I took it. It feels out a like they sleeve. just
1: bought it from a stripper's outlet mall or something. It's like this is what strippers use to like slowly disassemble their clothes for a show.
0: and uh, anytime it happens when we're watching a movie joe always points out anytime a camera lingers a little bit too long in a particular place and i think i i can for the first time t- steal your thunder and point out someone likes boots and it's this cameraman because this cameraman gives us no fewer than four lengthy shots of luna vachon's big old boots that she's wearing (laughs) which again is form and function because she didn't have those like four inch platforms oh yeah there's no like i think they were like they got the dress and they had to like enhance the boots or something like that (laughs) also if you're gonna have an evening gown match i would say it behooves you as a promoter To make sure that people are wearing different colours. Yes. Because this was just basically a witch fight.
1: Yeah. I just... I'm really pissed off about how not sexy the evening gowns are. Like, I just feel that that's like... You know, tuxedos are sexy. Evening gowns should be sexy. They just are. And like, neither of these... And you know what? I
0: will say as well, evening gown matches... Like, if they're to write one word on the whiteboard of what it should be, it should be sexy. And this is a very... Like, uh, there's sophisticated, no, there's, maybe. There, there's nothing to this. They literally no. just stand there and they go, eh, eh. And the crowd, when they get a glimpse of Sable's bra or whatever, they go, fucking ape shit. They're yeah. like, ah! But most of the time, they're just kind of upset and bored. Yeah. Which has led me to create a new word just for this special crowd, which is hornery. When yeah. you are cranky and incredibly horny at That's the same time. Which is good. exactly what this crowd was.
1: I just feel like the crowd would have been a lot happier if they'd come out wearing two very glamorous, lovely dresses and then torn them up, because as well, it's satisfying to see something yes. expensive get destroyed. That is
0: very true. It's like, that, like watching yeah. a piano being thrown out a window. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It just, it
1: is, you know, something sequiny, something glamorous. I want to see that shredded.
0: <laughs> so we just have then, after arms have been removed, sable is in the corner. Her,
1: like skirts been pulled down.
0: Yeah. And then Luna just takes off her top. Yeah. and. The match ends, although we get no bell ring. They don't announce Luna the winner. They don't like literally. It's just Sable. It, it, the fact that Sable is in her underwear is such a, like a wooing, moment for the World Wrestling Federation that all the post-match formalities, like who won that, then it's, we'll
1: play their music. Yeah. Oh, no, they don't even play Luna's music. No, yeah. they play Sable's music, play Sable's even though she music. lost. Fucking because, lost. Because she's sexy.
0: There was some pretty like you know we've had a lot of chat about outfits and all that here the space age tights or whatever was going on there with what with, with the bottom half of sable here
1: yeah
0: please explain what was going on i don't here. i
1: can only i can because i don't know i don't understand how it works it's some kind of science i think nasa designed these tights she's <laughs> she's wearing tights that much i can tell because her legs are a different colour from the rest of her body. And as Jerry Lawler kindly pointed out to us, no tan lines, so it's definitely not... Oh no, not...
0: that was JR He said it, which oh, made it was even JR worse. Oh, was
1: it? Wow. Cowboy emoji. <laughs> Fucking hell, you hornery old bastard.
0: <laughs> He's definitely hornery on AEW now, for sure. <laughs> like. His, his favourite wrestler is Penelope Forge. See if you can spot that next time that she has a match on AEW.
1: And yeah, her tights are underneath... Her thong that she's wearing, which would be very uncomfortable, I can only imagine. But also, the tights don't ride up above or below the waistband on the thong. And the waistband of the thong is is thin. It's a small thong. (laughs)
0: My theory was that these were special leggings that just look like... They're not leggings. They're not
1: leggings. They are definitely tights. Ah. Because for one, I mean, they'd have to be footed leggings. They've got feet on them. Oh, that's true. And two, they're sheer. You don't get sheer leggings. You only get sheer tights. So... Ah. You know, Flesh coloured like that. So I think what I, I think what it is is someone's designed a special all-in-one pair of tights and thong, ah.
0: so that it can't
1: ride up or ride down.
0: So we'll see what the boys in the lab have to say about this one. Like I,
1: I'm fascinated. I really wish I, if anyone knows, please tell me.
0: It is it is it is very very. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's just strange because like I I think a lot of fans like often don't realise how often like women wear tights like in in wrestling women are
1: always wearing tights and no one ever i mean i barely realize half the time because they're really good quality tights so
0: i think obviously the hosiery that wrestlers are privy to is perhaps like five or six years in the future any given point like oh at
1: least at (laughs)
0: least and at the end of the match we have luna going underneath the ring and they imply that even like her gown is stripped off and what is underneath is far less provocative than like the stuff she wore you know, those early promos we watched with her and Sherry. It's like, it's just that with less studs on it, basically, yeah. and more material. And then they imply that Sable has taken off, like, her undergarments.
1: Yeah, that, like, Luna's naked.
0: And that's why you always hang around with a guy with a big robe in case he yes. needs to be put. And it was kind of funny seeing, like, Luna wrapped up in the big goldest robe being like, Bleh, and being taken <laughs> away. And it was kind of ruined then by Sable doing her best, worst Luna impression of standing in the ring in her underwear going, Yeah! It was, um bad it was bad it was it was it was bad and like you know um as as a recovering prude you know i I don't want to say that like there's no enjoyment or sport to be had and you know wrestling and sexy stuff i'm sure have great crossover appeal don't
1: do it so badly it's so badly done the only
0: thing more egregious than just egregious sexy stuff in wrestling is egregiously unsexy stuff being presented as being titillating when it was literally just Come on, let's take off Sable's clothes then and have a look, shall yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs>
1: there wasn't even any wrestling. Yeah,
0: it was like, it, it was as, uh, there was as much titillation as like dial-up internet downloading pictures of Sable in 1998, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they knew their target
1: audience, that's all I can say for that. Did you give it a star wipe rating, honeybunny? I mean, you could, I suppose, call it a star wipe rating, technically, uh- what, what what have you what have you got? How many stars
0: have we got for this one then? None. None. No stars. It's bad. It if bad. they'd done the
1: evening gowns properly, it would have gotten a star from yeah. me. But they didn't even. Do, it's not. It's an evening gown match, and there were no evening gowns. So I am very pissed off.
0: Basically, like a funeral match, pretty much is what it was. Kind of.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not I be- just. I would have rathered to see. Genuinely, I would have had much more entertainment to see Sable come out in her normal clothes, get undressed, while Luna makes fun of her. And I think everyone would have been happier.
0: Vince Russo would have been happier with that. Like, you know, <laughs> everyone would have been happy, right? It's like,
1: and now, now Sable gets undressed and we're all like, yeah! While Luna goes, ah!
0: <laughs> kind of feel bad for for Luna, isn't it? It's kind Absolutely, of Absolutely, yeah. You know, because at least in the first match we watched with them, her utility, at least, you know, her skill was being used, even if, you know, it was being done in that classic resting way where you can't even notice how much hard work she's putting in here. But it felt like, it could have been anyone there other than Luna. Yeah. You know, and that was... It
1: really, and it should have been anyone as well because like, they booked this match in a way that's like, they want you to cheer for Luna to win so Sable gets undressed but then they both get undressed anyway and it's just like, in that case, you probably should have had Sable go up against like, more of a face mm. so that you actually want the face to win. Yeah, it makes, it's weird to cheer for Luna and be it, like, oh, it yeah. All, yeah.
0: It, they hadn't really kind of worked out, surprisingly, the nuts and bolts of the psychology of a strip wrestling match at the this point in time. Children
1: are confusedly masturbating. Like, I don't understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad. Uh, we've finished talking about the Sable and Mero instances with with Luna, and there was, <laughs> there was one great quote from her when she nearly got in a fight with Mark Mero backstage, which uh, it stuck with me. I'll never ever hurt you Sable but I will fuck you up Mark Marrow you've got your fucking golden gloves but I'll bite a chunk out of you before you can leave a finger on me So um, <laughs> she had, she had uh, issues there Legend It's um yeah the next few years for her involved in 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 the company you know she is used more as kind of like you know just another one of the women you know they do pair her up at one point with a group called the oddities which was another kind of russo creation where you had like kind of the freak show people and they were Mm. teamed up with the insane clown posse okay and she does not have nice things to say about the insane clown posse oh
1: really they were
0: building to a match between her and violent jay and the idea was that they were going to do like a hair versus hair match thing and they were going to have the clowns get heel heat by cutting off her ponytail and all that jazz and right before they were going to do the match, the Insane Clown Posse got a better offer from WCW, and they went over there instead. They're probably
1: only courting WWE for like the. so they could negotiate with Ted Turner. Well, that was it. Hand like, him something on the table. Like, well. <laughs>
0: you, you've, you've done some pretty in depth research on the Insane Clown Posse for subculture. <laughs> a little. Bit, yeah. I mean, not yeah. me
1: personally, but yeah.
0: You, you've been schooled on the ways of the Insane Clown yes. Posse, and they were, you know, I think we talked about it as well with. Um, there was an episode, I think it was, it was even Cherry Funk or something like that. We talked about them a little bit. Was it Colt Cabana? May have been. I know they've come up before, but it's just where uh, like...
1: Colt Cabana's definitely a friend yeah, of the are
0: they're, they're savvy clowns. They're, like, oh no, absolutely, yeah. They know where the dollar is and they yes. know how to get it. Like, And they'll do it in a way where they don't break contracts because they know what it is to be in a courtroom. They're very fucking savvy clowns. Yeah. So yeah, they went up to WCW and that left Luna again, you know... It's kind of sad, you know, when it's like big feuds get built up and then you don't have your payoff. Yeah. And this is what she had to say about the insane clown posse. <clears throat> and I, my, it is late in the recording now, so I won't necessarily have to do the full Luna voice for it because I don't think I can get the level of venom and vitriol. Do you want me to try?
1: I, I've had a little break. I yeah. can probably knock out another one. Fucking pussy, piss artist, fucking clown, dickheads, eat me in your nightmares.
0: And that was eat me in your nightmares, not uh, meet me in your nightmares just in case eat you couldn't me, yes. get Yeah, that's... Uh, terrifying there so um yeah it's
1: fucking pussy piss artist fucking clown dickheads eat me in your nightmares
0: yeah it's um <laughs> it's
1: it's justified anger there Blimey, <laughs> I, love that.
0: I think one nice thing about her later pussy running...
1: piss artist, pussy, piss fucking, artist clown. fucking
0: clowns eat me in your <laughs> nightmares <laughs> Like she's gonna show up in your nightmares and you're gonna to have to do oral sex to her. <laughs> Jesus.
1: You you thought oral sex. I thought cannibalism. Oh, okay. Which is actually even scarier because she looks kind of like she might like smell weird. I mean, like she's
0: already taken a chunk out of Gangrel. Yeah. Like you know, she's already <laughs> eaten a vampire. She wouldn't think a clown's anything yeah. to her. It probably tastes way nicer anyway. So yeah, it's it's nice. I think the last couple, like the six months to a year, and you know they weren't like big stars or anything. They were on kind of the smaller shows, but they did pair Luna together with Gangrel. So, like, they got to come out together and just, you know, drink blood. And, you know, she would wear, like, the big puffy shirt like him. And even though they were kind of just, you know... They were, like, on heat and used kind of as random teams on Raw and all of that. It was very obvious that it was probably the happiest she ever was while she was in the company. Just because her and her husband got to be together. They could just focus on their stuff and doing what they wanted to do. And they seemed to have a good time with it. So, that was nice, at least. And, you know, Luna other than doing the few bits with wwa she basically retired in 2002 or thereabouts and she did come back a few times here and there to do some shots i think she wrestled for some kind of like independent companies as late as like 2007 and the last that i had heard of her was wwe did like a where are they now thing in like the late 2000s mm. and she was running like a successful trucking business and had gotten like out of the wrestling business and had you know done quite well for herself and all that which was nice and i think you know, from there, I think there were some kind of you know darker points in her life. She suffered with you know drug abuse, and she split up from Gangrel as well. So she did die, I believe, as two thousand and oh god, oh sorry, I was just literally checking up there for a second about the the details of her last few years, and I forgot literally one of the fucking saddest thing that ever 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 happened to her, or to any wrestler we've talked about. It was in 2009, Christmas 2009, mm. there was a fire in her home mm. and it's where she had all of the wrestling memorabilia, she had like the original belts that her aunt had won, all of like the original kind of, you know, flyers and posters from the Vachon family and she lost it all in a blaze and she lost her home and all that, oh, like, it was literally, she was dead I think less than a year after that, which was really, really sad and she died of a of an overdose and like oh, talk God. about like you know finding a way out of arresting but been hit with like you know breakups are never easy yeah. you know she had issues obviously but like losing there's one thing to lose your home i think i always feel kind of like fortunate in the fact that you know, i moved away from my home in inverted commas so you know even if there was a fire here there'd be a lot of stuff i'd be very sad that i would be gone and all that mm. but it's not as if i feel like there's a a legacy or a history or like i've dishonored my family or anything like that yeah. But if you're like almost a caretaker for that legacy of the Vashans that she had kind of viewed herself, it don't get much more heartbreaking than yeah. that. Like, you know, I do remember there was like a, go, it was one of the kind of first GoFundMes I remember going around it was like kind of, you know, she had nowhere to stay over Christmas and mm. all that, you know. And I think her death, she was only 48 years old when she died.
1: Oh my God, that's you know, so
0: young. Uh, Painkillers, you know, OxyContin and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's sad when, you know, there's a breakup and the little gangrel has spoken about it, it's like the lifestyle was getting too much for me so i stepped out and he's a vampire who makes pornography for a living while doing wrestling so they're obviously getting in kind of deep there and i think that she obviously didn't have the support system or the structure in place but she
1: has kids with him
0: she had she had kids with him yeah she they had kids together so he how, had a kid from a previous marriage and how she had earlier
1: kids now
0: um well i know that one of her children was uh, this is actually like passed on to us Really roundabout piece of uh, trivia that links up with our other podcast. Uh, it's raw, where we do kitchen nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. It's myself, Joe, and Adam. It's over at the Podcrabs channel. Check it out. But her son was on a series of Hell's Kitchen and oh, is actually wow. a chef. I think out in Las Vegas, that area now, yeah. and thereabouts. So he was, you know, they, they've all grown up and they've went on to do various things. I don't think there's any involvement in wrestling. wrestling. I think yeah. that the legacy is kind of is there. Uh, like one kind of sweet story about their kids I, I caught, which was that they had a, in their home, they had like a rock garden, which they called the Own Garden, because it was like a contribute to Own Heart. Oh. And she had gathered stones from all her travels all over the world. She'd always go to beaches, and her and gang would pick up stones, and they would put them together in this garden. Yeah. And the kind of running gag in the house was that, because it was in the back back of the house where the kids used to try and sneak in or sneak out and stuff like that the kids were convinced that own heart had haunted the garden because you know <laughs> they try and jump over the fence and like the fence would break or like the door would oh, be locked on them when they were leaving Owen. you know a loud cat would suddenly appear out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. and you know it's just it is like it's 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 bittersweet because doing the research for this you know if i found out two of the biggest oddballs in rest had this like big fucking you know actual like as weird as it was an idyllic marriage for as many you know, 18 years together that's yeah. a lifetime in wrestling yeah. and you don't look further than a rob van damme episode to know that you know what seems a lifetime in wrestling don't necessarily always have happy endings and you know they split up they were still friends and on good terms yeah. and they had a life together and they had a family together it's just kind of tragic and sad i guess it does kind of emphasize mm. 48 that's so young you know, she was honored in the Hall of Fame, you know, a year or two later, which is, which is nice, you know, yeah. all that. And
1: it's a shame that's like, that seems so often in the WWE that like these really unique female wrestlers mm. get posthumously added.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that, I mean, you know, more so than Randy Savage as well. You have to look at, you know, yeah. there's big names in wrestling where it feels like they're almost like they don't know how to approach it. And once they're dead, it's like, oh, great. Now we can, we can actually talk about this. Yeah. Because like, they're what?
1: not going to stir up any shit for us.
0: And you know exactly for someone like Luna, how much it would have meant for them to make even the tiniest little nod or a reference to her whatsoever. And I think, you know, she could see the influence she's had on on women's wrestling and what women's wrestling is now. Yeah, seriously, like Abaddon. (laughs) Yeah, it would probably piss her off to see what wrestling is now because that's what she, you know, she was 20 years too soon. You Mm -hmm. talk about this character, this woman with this fucking presence and man, yeah, wrestling could... Wrestling could use a Luna Vachon now. Absolutely. Oh, you, you can know? just imagine
1: if she was still alive today and still working in the wrestling industry. I mean, I can only imagine she'd be a manager in AEW. Oh,
0: yeah. You know, and she's um, she's one of those wrestlers who I think has influenced a lot more wrestlers themselves than you would probably realize, you know. And I think it's... Uh, her legacy is, is definitely there, but I think she is in danger, as oftentimes can happen. You know, a name that never maybe reached the heights that she herself had set herself, you know, by her own admission... And it was difficult to do some of the research because she was quite depressed about, in her opinion, her failure to live up to the legacy of her family. And I thought the sweetest thing in the world was was that after the whole feud with Sable ended, she was never you know she never got the title, but Gangrel bought her. You know, he made, he got the proper replica belt made for her, and he was like, well, you know, you're always the champion in my books. You know, Aww. and it was you know when she first brings it up, it's like, oh, he gave me a replica title there, but then like later on in the interview, it's like you could tell it actually means something to yeah. her that he knew that was what she wanted. Mm. So like, yeah, it is, you know, I, I don't want to scare an issue. It is a tragic end yeah, to, really to the story, you know? And I, I, I guess all I can say is at least wrestling for all it's faults, is in more of a place where someone with, you know, outlying talents or a unique presence like that, it doesn't mean like you're a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. It feels like at least there's more appetite for different women in wrestling now than there was Mm -hmm. maybe in the the 80s and the 90s when luna would have been around yeah because i feel like she kind of got caught between two waves of like women's wrestling not being a thing we want to have on tv at all and then we bring it back but it's gonna be like sexy pillow fights and stuff like that so yeah i mean i don't know if you have any closing thoughts on luna where does she rank for you is she someone that like It's going to be on your kind of mental wall of fame. Is she someone you'd want to check out more of going on? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, God. I mean, her matches were amazing. If I could find more good matches, like more matches without Sable in, I'd be very happy. (laughs) Definitely. I I really liked her wrestling style. Like it's proper hard hitting, fast stuff, like a really good mix as well of like, not quite high flying, but there is a bit of spectacle in there. Reckless abandon. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And the fact that she like, fights men always good in my books <laughs> and i definitely watched that match with doink and dink the clowns again easily well,
0: it's a five-star match he's probably a so very good. very select group of people yep. right now Absolutely. you know yep. i think we need to have a look down and run through your actual your entirety of all your match ratings so. and find out who are the uh, the five-star golden yeah. gals and guys of wrestling in Do your award minds. Season. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we reveal what our next episode is going to be, let's have a look at your tweets and your Facebook posts about the one and only Luna Vashan And we're <laughs> back. Joe, if you got some tweets for us over on Chi Wrestling on the Twitter, give us a follow. And don't forget, if you want to continue the story, you can use the hashtag how to luna for Sean. and don't forget to check out how to wrestling.com for all the info the matches and any recommended bonus viewing for this here episode
1: so first up from fizz versus the world says luna was the first playable woman in a wwf video game oh
0: shit it was like raw or something like that on the what?
1: i've got a those? screenshot if you recognize yeah it. That, i think
0: that's raw i think it was on the Saturn. i think it was in the arcades as well she's
1: built it's Coming from the other side of darkness.
0: Amazing. That's I didn't know fucking... that's where she
1: was billed from.
0: Well, that's fucking incredible. I, 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 that could have well been a hometown name. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Move over from wherever he darn well pleases. That's my <laughs> new favourite hometown name. I think she said that was part of the reason she had a heat with Alundra Blaze, that Alundra was told that she'd be in the video game. I think if you're a video game developer, particularly this would have come out around the same time as Mortal Kombat. Yeah, you want Luna. I mean, Luna kind of yeah. feels like she fits the bill a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> Over here from John Rhodes, Miss Rumble 2000. She generally looks like she wants to kick the fuck out of Jerry the King Lawler.
1: Yeah, that's a match I would have loved. I would have paid a lot of money to see that.
0: Luna versus Jerry, yeah. like, fucking amazing. The shit out of him.
1: <laughs> Next up from Gummy Davidson, Luna really missed out on having a career as a voiceover actress oh, after shit. wrestling. Just imagine her playing a villain in a cartoon, video game or anime dub.
0: I mean, I anytime I watch Power Rangers yeah. that's got Rita Repulsa on it, I think yeah. she's doing Luna. Yeah. I mean, Luna's been doing that voice since the 80s, yeah. you know? Definitely. I, that, you can't convince me that that's not at least an outlying influence of some <laughs> sort. Over here from Mike Peacock on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash wrestling. Give us a like. You can also leave us a review for our podcast here, which we encourage you to do wherever you consume your audio media. Mike Peacock here saying, I feel bad that I never really got a chance to really watch her wrestle because Luna was mostly a manager and valet in the Fed when I was regularly watching, but her personality was unforgettable. Seriously, women's wrestling needs more characters like Luna because that bombast and non-traditional look really helped her stand out. Plus, she deserved all the credit in the world for making that plank sable look credible.
1: <laughs> we like to prefer to call her a pencil.
0: <laughs> yes, you've learned your lesson.
1: <laughs> now, up from Rusted Wire Witch on Twitter. Voice like a black metal singer, looking like an '80s slasher movie villain that had gone <laughs> through hell and wouldn't stop coming after you. She terrified and delighted me when I was younger. She's intimidating, fascinating as fuck in real life. If going by Gangrel's story about how they met,
0: uh, well, yeah, she made him a vampire. I can't
1: believe she like lives the gimmick. Like she's properly as weird as she seems. It ain't.
0: That's it. It's not a gimmick. Yeah, I think you know that's probably well, the thing we've been circling around. I think
1: it can be a gimmick, but also be true.
0: Mm i think she dials it up but that is who like yeah. if you're going like day to day that's her that's it folks you know that that is who she is it's <laughs> fucking incredible alex the Wash here i remember i got into luna when listening to you adam and billy talking about how frustrated you were with the company's almost willful refusal to put her and ivory in a straight wrestling match it led me to watch some of her stuff and i can only say somehow ahead of her time and at the same time a throwback to an earlier time in wrestling, I loved her, massive fan, and the best woman's promo, in the World Wrestling Federation, so yeah, I think Luna was, like, I think it's, it shows you like, what a standout character she was, is that, you know, I think Adam and Billy, on the Ad Share Podcast, never knew much about Luna, no yeah. nostalgia for her, and straight away, they were like, when, is she is she going to do a big thing Kevin, what's going to happen, <laughs> I think the only only issue, was that Luna, had been, incorrectly called, Luna Goldust by Billy, who misheard the ring announcer, on the Aww. first time, but uh yeah, Luna definitely. The throwback I get, and yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahead of her time, I don't think we're yet at the point in time where she's been, she was kind of casting a light towards.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Abaddon. I Abaddon think, yeah. definitely has similar vibes. Yeah. Like Luna walked or <laughs> Luna chased us aggressively down a seedy alleyway so that Abaddon could stab us in our back <laughs> and yes. then eat our ass. Luna, <laughs>
0: Luna ran so Abaddon could crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Cody Austin here to round us off. I always felt like Luna deserved better. She kind of played the role that Natalia plays today. A great worker from a family of great workers who plays second fiddle to others who are arguably not as good as her. Yeah. I think that is kind of a way to put a bow and a ribbon on it. Yeah. But I think the best thing about Luna is that because of how much she stands out. I think Natalia she's a great wrestler and all that but I think if has got a lineup of women's wrestlers in 2021
1: she's a generically attractive blonde white woman like, yeah,
0: she, yeah. She, Luna I think you will never make the mistake of mistaking no. Luna Vachon for anyone else because no. there has only ever been one and there only ever will be one Luna Vachon the fucking crown jewel of the fighting Vachon family as far as I can say and I think if anything Mad Dog Vachon and Vivian Vachon and Paul the Butcher I think all three of them immensely proud they would be of oh, the career yeah. that there was no there was no blueprint for a career being a woman yeah. like full stop yes alone being this type of a yeah, woman yeah yeah and
1: not just in wrestling but like like just generally in society in, in media in media yeah. there's just not I mean even today there's not room for women like that like in music in movies in nothing <laughs> you know, she's so unique
0: there's so many men and women who I knew way back in the day when I used to like go to like you know rock clubs and stuff to see my brother's band play and I feel like if I wanted to get any of them into wrestling I'd just show them a Ludovic yeah. that's the one you know what Ludovic Sean is probably one of the most effective gateway drugs into wrestling that we've ever <laughs> done on this show so maybe you try that with your goth pals next yeah. time they're wondering what you're into in that old wrestling that
1: show her fight Dink and Doink the Clown It's bad fucking ass Metal as shit
0: We, we, we had to mention there About the, the voice Of the heavy metal singer Someone actually stuck That heavy metal promo That she did Set to heavy metal music There's a couple of those Front around YouTube yeah. <laughs> Check those out Absolutely brilliant hey our next episode one we are immensely excited about and we have some fabulous artwork to show you for it as well when we will be debuting that very shortly on the socials big shout out as always to our illustrator dan who's back and better than ever this was fucking incredible this luna vishan artwork but i can't wait for you to see the artwork for the next guy that we're going to be doing an episode on because it sums up probably one of the most complex in a sense but also one of just the fucking coolest guys there's ever been in wrestling who i feel the world has come around full circle and finally appreciates him for the big cool motherfucker he is i'm talking about big daddy cool big sexy i'm talking about diesel our next episode is all about the one and only kevin nash i cannot wait for you to find out about honestly one of the greatest minds in wrestling yeah careful that...
1: not to say greatest wrestlers no in wrestling. no, no, no. <laughs> let's
0: live by the mantra work smart not yes. hard because that is exactly like if we work by kevin nash's schedule this next episode won't be out for the six months so we're going to try and work <laughs> a little bit harder than that but oh my god given your opinions on certain kind of mindsets in wrestling let's just say yeah i think you're going to fucking love Big sex. I hope so,
1: because I worry because he's part of the clique and he's yeah. part, He's like friends with a lot of wrestlers who I don't think very highly of as people. Yeah. And yet, the little I know about Kevin Nash as a person I've really liked. Like, he's on Twitter and he's this nice, normal guy.
0: I think you were kind of saying you wanted to do an episode just because yeah. you've been, you know, this guy has been doing good Twitter for a while now. Yeah, I
1: just find him interesting as a person. Like, he's political in a way that I can appreciate.
0: He's actually intelligent and like a lot of other political wrestlers. Yeah, and he doesn't like...
1: <laughs> (laughs) get needlessly involved in wrestling beef for the sake of it but he does step in when things get taken out of hand or when there's like certain older guys who are like back in my day we did this and he'd step in and be like shut up no we didn't
0: all i'll say as well though no shortage of beef to talk about on the episode itself
1: (laughs) but yeah i think the final nail in the coffin was we watched magic mike the other day (laughs) and kevin nash plays a stripper and i was like kevin We need to do an episode on Kevin Nash. And
0: I was like, you know, his stripping is actually very, very similar to his wrestling in a few... And as soon as I was saying that, I was like, we got to do this episode soon. (laughs) Because there are analogies that need to be drawn here. You know, there are comparisons that we need to have. So we went back and forth in this one. I think we will go with how to Kevin Nash, because he has, of course, embodied several characters over the years I and mean, the man himself is what we're talking about not just the character he portrayed not hashtag
1: how to big sexy daddy cool which will fill up the entire <laughs> twitter character <laughs> count
0: how to kevin nash make sure he's a v not an f in that one and we'll be coming to you with that very very shortly we're after your favorite matches moments a lot of stories and anecdotes about this guy. There's a lot of chat about him being maybe a little bit lazy and maybe not being the uh, the most hard-working individual or maybe taking that work-smart-not-hard mentality to places where wrestling was not quite ready for it yet as well. I also want some of the instances of Kevin Nash not giving a shit about whatever it was that he was doing. Yes, please. We're going to be talking about the Blaster Masters. We're going to be talking about Oz. We're going to be talking yes. about, about the NWO. Maybe a few uh, good old wrestling matches thrown in for good measure in there as well we will be watching some shoot interviews with glasses of red wine it's how to kevin nash or next episode and as always thank you everyone for checking in this episode of how to wrestling don't forget to check out Over now On our Patreon page We've just passed There's over a hundred Pay-per-view reviews What? Can you believe it Going all That's... the way back To SummerSlam 2015 I believe That's
1: silly That's a silly We should go back At some point As a piece of bonus content We should go back And listen to them
0: Yeah check out All of our correct predictions that I mean, We get people We've... saying All yeah. the time we, You particularly yeah, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I don't know Shit has been pointed yeah, out like, Yeah it know. turns
1: out That the less you know About wrestling The more accurately You <laughs> can predict What will happen In wrestling storylines because wrestling is booked by a bunch of fucking idiots who don't even (laughs) watch wrestling.
0: But of course, not just those WWE, AEW and some NXT pay-per-view reviews in there. We have our pay-per-view classic series where we go back and check out big in-depth reviews of classic pay-per-views. We've done some In Your Houses. We've done Survivor Series 98, December to December 2006. We're going to be dipping our toes into the water with some ECW very, very shortly on that as well.
1: And special ECW, the raw, unedited ECW, as not found, not available on the network. Yes. Very excited to see... Hopefully, Sandman, enter, to enter Sandman.
0: Maybe finally this ECW business will make a little Mm -hmm. bit of sense. And I'll get
1: that
0: ECW feeling. That ECW feeling. You'll laugh, you'll clap your hands, you'll You'll just cheer... Our Patreon page is everything you'd hope it would be, and so much more. I can't <laughs> wait for you to see it. Subscribe now for as those as $5 a month. You can unsubscribe whenever you like. This show is 100% fan and listener supported, and we do not interrupt the conversation for ad spots or sponsorships every two seconds. It's because of our lovely backers on Patreon, and we thank you for continuing to support us through the pandemic and beyond. But until next time, where we're going to get in that big rig of big, sexy diesel, uh... it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And Bye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.